This is a Soul Fire production. Yo, everybody, welcome back to Thought Criminals. We got Emily Stamnick on the show this week, this episode. And I got a little bit aggressive with the fade out there, but it's okay. My voice is a little bit weird. I've been a little bit sick, but we're back on it. We're doing the thing. And we're talking about birth. I'm not birth, talking about babies, talking about parenting, pregnancy. I got a baby on the way. You guys know this. You know, I got one coming soon. Just about to pop out of there. Just about to get pooped out in my living room. It's going to be weird. We're talking about home births as well. What does it mean to be a doula? What does it mean to be a midwife? What do vaccines do in kids? There's a lot of things that we had to cut out of this episode to put on YouTube. So I'd love to say this full episode is gloriously on YouTube. You can see both of our faces discussing this, having a great time. But we had to cut out segments because... I have to play by the rules on YouTube. Now, after they killed my last channel, I've had to restart completely. Uh, speaking of which, if you can go subscribe to Politically Homeless YouTube, that'd be fantastic because they they gave us a good fucking, a good right fucking they did. And <laughs> so now we're, our YouTube works, but it's much smaller than it used to be. Uh, but anyways, I digress. Emily Stanwyck is a doula based in Texas. We met many, many years ago. when We were both CrossFit competitors and coaches. And now look at us. Look at Look at where we've come. Look at how far we've come. We'll get into our backstory as well. But if you're curious about the doula life, the midwife life, uh, home births, why people choose to do home births, the, the difference between home birthing and, and um, hospital births, if you can have a doula in the hospital, all these things. Uh, parents, if you're, if you're thinking you might be a parent one day, you are a parent now. If uh, you're pregnant now, especially, like this could be a good episode for you. Have a good time. And it definitely falls into that, into that thought criminal category because – and we discussed this on the show, but like when it comes to birth, I know all that parents want is to have a healthy baby. And I think when you have so much love and, and care for, for a, a procedure, right? Which is what this comes down to being. It's not like a birth has become a procedure. There are many ways you can be taken advantage of, you know, the same thing. You see the same thing in the funeral business. It's, it's really interesting that, that people, when they're, when they're anxious or scared or, uh, just really want, um, the best for their child, of course. There's a lot of ways that you can be taken advantage of by a system that is more concerned with, um, let's say, uh, profit margins and, <laughs> and consistency and repeatability and convenience for themselves uh, than they are about uh, your birth, your birth plan, and things like that. Although we did have uh, Joe Rogan decided to open his mouth and shit on home births on his most recent uh, episode with... Um, What's her name? Bridget Fetessy. So we'll see. I mean, we'll, you know, maybe listen to that. Maybe listen to this and see which way you lean. But either way, you'll enjoy it. And if you are pregnant or you're thinking about being becoming pregnant, one thing you can do, one thing you can take that might uh, help you increase your breast milk production and keep you hydrated through that process is Element. Weird, weirdly enough, right? You wouldn't think like, oh, electrolytes and salt are something that really are going to do a lot for me when it comes to milk production and staying hydrated through pregnancy. But I can attest to this from our own personal experience here in the Moore household with our pregnancy and um, from new breastfeeding moms. 
Element has been absolutely incredible for that. So, of course, staying hydrated during that. Your body's doing a lot of work. I mean, making a person, you know, making food for that person after you give birth to the person. Um, <laughs> all of these things. Your body's doing a lot. It needs to be hydrated. But something about that salt, I guess, I don't, I don't, I don't know the mechanism for action. I don't. But I know that breastfeeding moms swear by this shit. <laughs> it's absolutely insane. And you can get yourself a free variety pack with your order. So order watermelon, grapefruit, or great options. People love those. Those are my two favorite. Um, if you order a box of those and you go to drinkelement.com, D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com slash wanders, you're going to get a free variety pack with your order. So check it out. If, especially if you're, a, if you're a new mom or you're pregnant or you're going down that road or if you're just a physically fit active person who's trying to do better you got the new year coming up staying hydrated is super important we know that you guys have heard about element before but since this is about birth and parenting and and mom life you know i figured that would be there especially if you have kids too i know a lot of you guys out there have kids like definitely a better substitution for your kids than than sports drinks if you want to like have your kids are playing sports and doing their thing and they're sweating a lot like elements can be way better for them than like Gatorade or something like that for obvious reasons. One is the complete absence of sugar or high fructose corn syrup, which is what's in those fucking drinks. And you know, like blue number four, like that shit isn't, doesn't exist in element. So you can think like, do you really want your kid drinking high fructose corn syrup and food coloring <laughs> and, and sugar? That's really what, that's where it comes down to. So anyways, drink slash wonders link going to be in the show notes of this show. And now let's get into this beautiful episode with Emily Stanwyck. You can follow her Instagram as well. It's in the link. It's going to be in the show notes. I'm rambling now. It's enough. Let's get into it. Let's cause some problems. Let's piss some people off right now. <laughs> Enjoy the show, everybody. Emily Stanwick. Hey. I don't even know what your maiden name is anymore. Oh, really? At the, at it's long, Russack. At, Russack, that's right. Yeah. Because yeah. I just called you Imbo for so long and then you were married. I know. It's so funny. I remember the first time I went to the CrossFit Games. Damn, when was this? I forget what year this was. And I saw John Wellborn. For any big CrossFitter, as somebody like I'm 6'4", I thought probably 230 at the time. For any big CrossFitter, we all like John and the CrossFit football guys. Love but him. But then <laughs> it was so funny. We were over there talking to somebody. I think I was talking to Rob Orlando. Because I did some of the strongman seminars back in the day. And I look over there and I was like, holy shit, the staff for CrossFit football is enormous. Even all <laughs> the broads. Like they're the biggest women I've ever seen in my life. It's just like humongous. They just made everybody, because CrossFitters are small. And I've always felt mm-hmm. big, but like they made me feel small in the CrossFit football yeah. crew. And you were one of those broads. Hell yeah. You were just out there um, doing the thing. One of my first interactions with John Wellborn, he just looks at me and goes, that's a huge bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hey. <laughs> what was it? What movie is that from? What the fuck? I can't remember. Is that one with Rob uh, Rob Schneider, where he's yeah, I remember the where name. he's the my, Bigelow Mel Gigolo. Yeah, That's what amazing. it is. I bet. But that movie for big women like yourself and my wife probably <laughs> didn't listen to some of that. <laughs> but now yeah. you're like a mom. Of I know children. You're a doula. So weird. I mean, we were just. I don't know. We feel like we were just babies in the CrossFit world, just doing our thing, and now. I don't even know what I am anymore or what the fuck this is thing that I'm doing is, but it's yeah. it's a thing that is happening that is much different than what used to be happening. <laughs> I went from single to mom really quickly. Did you? I did. I mean, two years, two and a half years. That's, that's kind of quick. That's fast. Yeah. I mean, we're three, yeah. three with IVF. So right. 
yeah. year of that was IVF stuff. And IVF is a yeah. trip. I hated oh my it. God. I hated all of that. I, don't I wouldn't it wish it on my worst enemy. I also feel bad because it's my fault. Having been born. Oh, I know. It's like, it's like, it's like, but it's, it's great. It's better because it's my fault because there's very, we can just like, it's one and done, right? You don't have to, like, I, I completely has, I, agree. I have a friend of mine I met hunting. He's a firefighter, really great guy. They just had their first baby. Took them mm-hmm. seven years. Oh, seven, they've been married. They were married from like the early twenties doing IVF since like their early twenties. And it took them seven years to have this baby. So when they had a baby, I was like, I was like dancing around in my living room. I was like so excited for these people dude. because I didn't even know them that well. But I'm like, dude, I did this thing once and I was like about to lose it. Kelly and I hated each other. The hormone, it wasn't her fault. It wasn't my fault. It's just like, yeah. even though you know it's the hormones that are making your wife someone that she's not, at a certain point, yeah. you're like, hey, man, I can't. I don't, I've done hormones too. Like, I get it. But like, <laughs> come on, man. Like, can you just not? <laughs> IVF is so brutal and fault is the wrong word. Like, it's not your fault, it's not my, but it's, it's because of you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's not my fault, but it's because of me. Like all, <laughs> like, like, like all the downfalls in my life. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Not my fault was my responsibility, but yeah, no, it's, it's cool. And I'm really excited. I mean, we're so close and you've been kind of so close. So Kelly's got two doulas, one here in Colorado. That'll be there. And then you're like the remote doula. Yeah. That is. I think one of the, speaking of being a big woman, Kelly was like, it's really nice with, with Emily because she weighed 220 pounds when she was pregnant. So I know that like, I don't feel so bad about it. And she looks great now. So it's not that big of a deal. I remember like my midwives didn't weigh me. They did have a scale in the bathroom that I used periodically, but I remember stepping on the scale at Deuce and I saw 215. I was like, well, I'm done weighing myself now. That's all I need to know. <laughs> well, that's the thing too. Kelly was so Shit. cute with it. She was like, the average is about 30 pounds. And I was like, bitch, you're not average. <laughs> like, what do you think it's going to happen? You're going to gain 50 pounds. Like, it's not, and she looks yeah. great. Like, it's so funny. Like, she I, looks so good. She looks so great. And she's, it, she's carrying so well. And she's like, not, she just, it's all belly, really, but she's just a big yeah. woman. Like, we, that's something I wanted to get into because I, I didn't think we'd go here first, but like, sex during pregnancy went from being not that big of a deal. To being like the, the hardest thing in the world. Yeah. And I felt bad because she got on top of me the other night. And I was just started <laughs> laughing because I'd been elk hunting all month. So like she had grown a lot in the three weeks that I was kind of like doing elk hunting stuff. And she's got a lot bigger. So she got on top of me and I like kind of put my arms around her and just started laughing because she's just so big. <laughs> <She> just... <laughs> me and Michael are the same size. We're the same height. Oh, yeah. We're finally not the same weight. He is heavier than I am. Good job, Michael. I know. And he was heavier than I am most of our relationship outside of pregnancy. But yeah, we're the same height. So having sex was so weird when I was so big because I already feel kind of big. Yeah, I feel that. So yeah. Yeah. The thing was with Kelly, I was like, I didn't think it was like, and that's the thing with parenting. I think we'll get into this a little bit more, but like conceptually, I didn't think it'd be that big of a deal, right? Like I know that it's not going to hurt the baby. It's actually probably good for everybody involved, yeah. all these things. And that was the case until, and even showing, none of that stuff was a problem. Since her placenta is on the back, the baby's like right there. Like right, you can mm-hmm. see kicks and stuff. And we're seven months in. So it's like, you can see kicks, you can feel, it's all this stuff. And once, like I, little flutters and stuff, very little change. When I started like seeing kicks and like, I'm like, and it started being like, you could like feel body parts through her stomach. 
I would be like, I would want to have sex. And I just like, as soon as I think about that, it just completely <laughs> goes away. And I'm like, she's like, well, it's not going to hurt the baby. It's not all this. I'm like, I understand all of that. I just have a general aversion to having my dick around children exposed. <laughs> like it just, yeah. and I know it's not, that's not even rational, but it's just like, there's something inside. Of I me totally like, get no. it. Yeah, and I'm like, and we were even on the way to the airport today. We were like arguing about it. And I'm like, listen, everything else is great. Just for this two months and then however long after you have the baby, like it's just, we're not going to have a lot of sex and it's okay. It's like three <laughs> or four months, but we have a little baby and it's going to be awesome and everything's great. And it's so annoying because so many women are so horny when they're pregnant. Yeah, and I'm going to do it as best I can, but it's just not going to be at the same frequency or with the th- same enthusiasm as normal. <laughs> I totally get it. And as a woman, like it's weird. But at the same time, we're like, it's in me all the time. So it's like, not that weird because this is my life now. But I totally get it. So what drew you to being a doula? Oh, great question. I've always been really fascinated with pregnancy and babies, like ever since I was a little kid. Oh, really? Always. I always knew I wanted to be a mom, always loved babies. I remember my high school boyfriend was the first person who like pointed that out to me. And was like, you love babies so much. And I was like, I didn't think that was like weird. I kind of just thought everybody loved babies. Mm-hmm. But they don't. Like I grew up great babysitting my cousins and it's always around babies. And so when I got into the CrossFit world, I met Lindsay. And I started doing birth fit stuff. Following her learning from her, eventually teaching classes. Like she kind of taught me the ropes. Real quick for people who don't know, yeah. BirthFit is like a fitness oh, yeah. program for expecting moms and then postpartum probably too, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, so it's online fitness programs. It's had many lives. It's been so many things and now it is just online fitness. So that was my introduction to the birth world. Was like my very, very first thing was training one-on-one cl- pregnant clients. Mm. Charged like 25 bucks an hour. Lindsay programmed for me. I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. And I remember one day she was like, you should be a doula. I was like, what's that? And she basically explained it as like a birth coach. You're in the delivery room or at the birth center, coaching these women up, guiding them through labor. And I was like, holy shit, I can go to births, but not have to go to medical school. This is great. Because I was just so fascinated and I really wanted to see babies being born, but I didn't want to go to medical school. So when she told me about that, I did a little bit more exploring and learning and I was like, yes, doula is for me. And I literally just took a weekend seminar in Sherman Oaks at this place called Beanie Birth. And once I got my certificate, I was like, now I can just do this. (laughs) Like I can just go to birth now. And that's kind of what happened. So my first few experiences were with Lindsay. Mm. So I would like to learn from her. And she was a doula as well? Yes. Okay. Yeah. She doesn't go to births anymore because she's full-time Cairo and birth fit. Yeah. I've seen her do some little uh, kid Cairo, which we can talk about later too. So great. It's yeah. very cute. And then I was on my own, just getting referrals from previous clients, pregnant women who would come into the gym, and then now Instagram, which is dope. Got it. So, and that's the thing Instagram too. Instagram when I'm not shadow banned. I think, yeah, right. Which is uh, very rarely, like, just like me. Yeah. So, what's the difference between a doula and a midwife? Because that's something that there's a lot of these terminologies that if you are only familiar with hospital births, like, none of these things make any sense. You think about midwives, right. you think about like the 1800s. 
right? You think about like yeah. what nobility was using back in, I mean, I think they had midwives in House of the Dragon. If you're watching that, they had some midwives in that. But like you don't think they about did, yeah. people in modern settings like using midwives. Maybe some people out here will. I'm sure any women that have had pregnant or have, have had children will. But for guys like me, I'm like, I knew I wanted to do a home birth. But I'm not the one actually having the baby. So I didn't really know many of the details. <laughs> like that was, right. it, it was no big deal. There was no, and even Kelly was like, I was really surprised at how easy it was to convince you to do this. And I'm like, you didn't convince me to do shit. Like I already had my mind made up. Like I don't want my child's first experience of life to be inside of a hospital. I don't like hospitals. Mm-hmm. I think they smell weird. The lights are weird. I don't know. I just don't like them. I've never had very many good experiences there. Not that you Same. go to hospitals for, I used to go in there and like my mom's friends when she was a nurse would flirt with me. That was probably the peak of my hospital experiences. <laughs> Her coworkers who were like in their fifties when I was like 18, but it was fun. But no, it's like there's doulas, there's midwives. Like what is the distinctive difference? Because you talked about kind of the low barrier to entry to doula life. Oh yeah. Very low barrier. So this is a really easy visual midwife waist down support doula waist up support. So a doula is a non-medical role. I literally took a weekend seminar and it's basically the way that my doula described it. It's like, I'm a shepherd guiding you through the labor process. That comes with birth education, like literal handholding, encouragement in labor, someone who's kind of walked the walk and who isn't going to become easily overwhelmed. Sometimes the husbands can be like, what's happening? Oh my God, what's going on? Right? Yeah. Like before you go to the hospital or before the midwife comes and the doula's like, it's okay. This is normal. She's safe. You're good. You know? So it's someone who's just like a cheerleader, tons of encouragement and someone who is going to remind you that everything that's happening is safe and normal until it's not. If and until it's not. Got it. Yeah. And so the midwife is like the medical professional but it's an out-of-hospital profession, unless you're a hospital midwife, because those exist too. But midwife goes to years of school, clinical practice. They learn how to draw blood, put in an IV, suture up tears. You know, like they have a medical role, but they're also much more hands-off than OBGYNs. They are not administering any drugs during labor. They are not continually monitoring you or the baby. They're intermittently monitoring and they're experts in normal physiologic birth, which is just normal unmedicated vaginal delivery experts. And head down usually the way like without like like, sometimes not twins, sometimes twins. I know. (laughs) And I know Dr. Stu is like a breech birth twins. Like he can go, he's got a different thing going on there. But for most, in a lot of state regulations too, like I know in Colorado, like if you're having a breech birth, which is a foot feet down, you you have to go to a hospital or birth, I think hospital or birthing center. So I I forget what the deal is there, but there's Colorado. Yeah. It's something like that. I actually don't know. You can't know you can't do a home birth. That's where I know they draw the line. And I think for some places it's twins you have to do. You can't do a home birth for twins. Yeah. So Midwives are heavily regulated in many states and for the progressive states. I mean, I get, hey, I, I get it though. In some certain, I don't know. But then again. No, you don't get it. I don't get it because I'm not doing it. But it's like, I, get, I think the intention, <laughs> by, like many laws that don't make sense, I think the intention behind them was seemed good on the outside. It was probably also influenced by influential groups that have a financial interest in micromanaging yeah. people's lives. So Let's here's what happens. Way. States like California. <laughs> midwives here we go this is where i came from <laughs> <Yeah>. <clears throat> midwives it is illegal to deliver breach and twin babies 
illegal. Like you will lose your license. So you can only have an OBGYN. Well, most OBGYNs do automatic C-section for breach. More are cooler with twins. But what's crazy is in most medical schools now, they do not teach breach birth, vaginal. Which is doable and common and like was a part of life until C-sections became a thing. Yeah. So midwives are the only ones who are learning how to do this skill, but then it's illegal. So then women are fucked and they just have to go to the hospital and get a C-section because, or find an unlicensed midwife. Those exist. Someone who's not afraid, you know, of losing their license. It's crazy. But midwives learn that the skill of breach and twins in school. I wouldn't say they're necessarily experts because that's not the focus of midwifery school. So a lot of them take like CEUs, like Stu's seminar, you Mm -hmm. know, to get to that like expert level. Yeah. And that's the thing too with breach and twins. Like those are both so uncommon that it's really hard to get the the amount of reps in that are needed. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? To like become an expert at something you need practice. And there's not a lot of, and there's, I mean, I guess you can practice with your dummies and your tools, but there's no substitution for the reality and the variables that come with it, you know? I just heard a podcast from Stu. I listened to one of his podcasts was a woman who had just taken his seminar, got a breech baby. And there was like a moment of, oh shit, we learned this in the seminar. She did this maneuver, got the baby out. It was technically like a very urgent situation. Mm -hmm. And she was like, had I not taken your seminar, this baby would have died. Wow. That's how important these skills are. And we are just screwing people over left and right. We're saying you either have to go get an unnecessary C-section or we have midwives who don't have the skills because they don't have the reps because all these women are getting C-sections. Yeah, and that's... It's, it's such a, a shame. It's a wild deal. And then when you watch a breach, it's really, I mean, it's a breach birth. And I've, Kelly sends me all kinds of births and we totally. send each other stuff back and forth, of course, naturally, because I'm preparing myself, which I'm not that concerned about. And I don't think I should be. Yeah. I think I might, I don't know. I'm not that worried about it. But uh, when you watch a breach birth, it is scary. Like when you see a baby hanging out by its head, it's freaky, right? It's freaky. Yeah. It's a weird deal. And it's like, I'm sure it feels crazy for the woman to like have to go that. It's like the opposite way. It's because once, and then you watch a conventional birth, head first birth, like crowning the whole thing. It's like, once you get past the shoulders, the thing just like shoots out of there. Yeah. It's like it's out of there. No big deal. So you got to think it's got to be odd to like push the head out for, I can see how a lot of things can go wrong. But then again, it's like, just like anything else, it's a skill set, And that's one thing that's really weird with these regulations come into place. Actually, when you're talking about unlicensed midwives. That makes me think about some of these people who are doing psychedelic assisted therapy totally. that were licensed therapists exactly. that let their therapists license lapse and just didn't renew because like, well, if I don't have a license, they can't take my license away. And Michael Pollan talks a lot about that in the How to Change Your Mind. He talks, he, uh, yes. maybe it was either the book or the so show, good. but he talks about that. And it's really interesting to see that because that's the same thing I thought. It's like, I facilitated psychedelic experiences, right? And I thought about mm-hmm. becoming a therapist, but I'm like, well, then I'm now beholden to this body. Right. Where I'm like, well, I can just create a safe space for somebody and know that it's trust, you know, only do it for certain. I don't do it for like, it's not a commercial thing. It's something I do for people that want that. And I'm that person. I just had the experience, but it's funny to see how that, like, that, just like everything else, like the regulation gets in the way. Right. Like there's a place for it. I get what they're going for, but it's like, you're, you're not really, it's the same thing. And and I wanted to get into this with you down the road, but just like it's the abortion restriction stuff. It just, it incentivizes Mm -hmm. dangerous shit. You know, it's like, yeah. it's, it's such a weird deal, but I've never seen this documentary, The Business of Birth, 
Oh, but the business I, of being born. Is that what it's called? Business of being born. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen that, and I know that I think about this a lot because I had this concept for like a, something to circumvent the funeral industry, industrial complex, <laughs> which is disgusting, right? To me, yeah. it's like you take up a shitload of land, you're burying corpses in a fucking five thousand, ten thousand, fifty thousand dollars box. So glad you feel box. this way. I fucking it hate makes graveyards. no fucking sense. It makes no sense. It's a waste of space, and then you have like expansion of life into these areas where like it's like they're in the fucking way. Okay, at the end of the day, they're every in the time way. I see a graveyard, I'm like. This could be so much better used. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, I get that. And I think, I don't think graveyards that are existing should be like dug up. That's not what I'm getting at. But it's like, can we yeah. just stop doing more of this? And yeah. I, I mean, and make them kind of like a relic. But then you also have all this space. And I'm like, well, what you probably should do, because what does a grave do for you? It has dates on it and someone's fucking name. That doesn't do anything. And I'm like, we have technology now, right? Like with basic stuff, you could basically make a safety deposit box room with a thousand boxes and a picture on them and a name, same thing that's on a tombstone, right? And the yeah. more wealthy you are, the bigger one you can get. And you go in there and you can like keep some of the people's like put a zip drive in there with a bunch of photos, right? Like just like a little, like a night, why don't you have that? Where Dude, it's like, oh, you I had bring- no idea you were going to talk about this, but like I feel exactly the same. And think about if you could take Stosh and go to like your family's row in this like safety deposit and like show them your great, great grandma's like pictures and stuff. And they're all safe. Yeah, that's so rad. No one's shit's burning up in a fire, right? It's like you could have actually, it makes that, that was my like business plan. I'm like, that makes more sense. But if you look at, look at this business of death, it's you, you're manipulating people when they're scared or sad vulnerable. or emotional and vulnerable. And I feel like the business of birth is very similar. Like the Western, it's one of the most toxic parts of capitalism, in my opinion, that you can take you advantage of vulnerable it. people vulnerable people it's like it's not really people don't want like you're going through something hard when someone dies all you care about when you're pregnant i'm assuming is the fucking baby right you like yeah. want that baby to be alive and healthy and that's all that like that's what everybody says it's all that matters mm-hmm. i don't care what the gender is we're not even finding out i don't care i just want a healthy baby and my yeah. wife would be okay you know so when did things start to change in the business of giving birth and where are we at now <laughs> oh that's a really good question okay so my timeline of the history of childbirth in America is not perfect in my head. I don't have it memorized. No, it doesn't, it doesn't However, need to be exact. But I know that in the early 1900s, most babies were born outside of the hospital. Something happened with Rockefeller family, those big names, mm-hmm. when the medical school started coming around. And what they did, they talk about this in the movie, was basically market to wealthy families like the sterilization of hospitals, like you're in a clean space and they basically tainted the perception of midwives, like calling them kind of witches or just like dirty old school. There is a lot of racism in here. There was black granny midwives were a big part of the South. And so they were just like, if you're using a midwife, you're, you know, you're less than, so oh, that, that makes marketed. sense. Spe- speaking of reps, because on any plantation, there's going to be X number of slaves. Totally. And there's going to be a handful of the white family or the whatever master family. Like those women are going to get lots and lots and lots of reps. It's incredible that wow. a country who is so obsessed with systemic racism is unwilling to look at this. And they and probably made it. It was like a, probably marketed as a sign of, you know, upper class or oh, civility, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yes. So then women started going to the hospital and it was doctors who had gone to the school created by the Rockefeller families and, you know, those names who learned medicine and surgery and pathologizing and wearing gloves and wearing white coats and standards, protocols, things like that. I want to say by the 70s, I think it was close to 90 something percent of women were then in the hospital. 
So it was pretty quick Mm -hmm. from like the 30s to the 70s, how quickly it flipped. I don't know exactly when the C-section rate started to climb like crazy, but where we're at right now is America has a C-section rate of about 33 to 35%. One third of babies born are C-sections. Yeah. That's fucking insane. I mean, I was a C-section and Kelly was too. So I mean. Oh, really? mm -hmm. So interesting. Yeah. I had the cord wrapped around my neck a few times and my heart rate started to really like. (laughs) Yeah. It was like an emergency C-section. I don't know what Kelly. Yeah. And that. You know, and sometimes C-sections are medically necessary. Yeah. Sometimes our, babies... our neighbor had a situation where it was like they were at a birthing center, but it's like it became she almost died. Like, and there's a place for that. I'm not saying that there's and Absolutely. I, I, I want to be very clear that we're not sitting here being like hospitals are bad. C-sections are bad. You know, I think they get to think, exactly. too, especially in our community where it's like, oh, if you had a C-section, you're a failure as a mother. Right? It's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that happens all the time. But there's a place for it. And I think C-sections have probably increased the survivability of babies as totally. a net positive and but i think the, like like many things like antibiotics probably overused yeah. you know what i mean yes so here's really interesting statistics so 99% of women birth in hospitals in america 99 wow. damn i love being in the 1% i fucking love it <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we ever since the days of tarnishing the perception of midwives We have socially conditioned America to believe that hospitals are safe and hospitals are where you should give birth and anything outside of the hospital, you're a freak or you're a child abuser because you're obviously going to kill your baby, right? (laughs) Like people just think the weirdest things. You probably think it's selfish to have a home birth, shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. Or just like, why would you do that? What if something happened? And I'm like, all right, listen, bitch. (laughs) Let me tell you. So... An amazing study came out in 2021. You can put it in the notes if you want. Remind me. I will. And it followed 17,000 intended home births. Of these 17,000 intended home births, 89% were completed at home. Live babies. 89%. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Then that same group of women had a 93 vaginal delivery. So of some of the women who transferred, they still had vaginal deliveries. Just needed to go to the hospital for fluids or super exhausted. So they got an epidural. A lot of of, first time moms too. I think a lot of times it's just like they don't understand how to pace themselves and they don't want to eat and they don't know how to, they can't, they don't want to sleep. And it's like, it ends up being 24 hours and then they're just exhausted. Yeah. And you're just, yeah, exactly. Who knows why these women need to transfer? But some of them still it was, that, that, was, that doesn't mean eleven percent of them were emergencies. Basically, is what I'm saying. Were what? <laughs> they weren't emergencies necessarily. A lot of it was exactly. exhaustion. Yeah, exactly. So then we have a C-section rate of seven percent out of seventeen thousand women. That is incredible. Mm-hmm. So compare that to thirty-five percent of the American hospital system. We're fucking things up. Yeah. And the, well, what's the incentive there? It's like, well, it's predictability. They want predictability. They're getting paid for a birth. They're not getting paid by mm-hmm. the hour. Right? So, right. so it's like you get paid for that. You get paid for a circumcision. You get paid. I'm sure you get paid to cut the cord. You probably get paid more for a C-section if we want to get real dark. Oh, yeah. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, and then no one tells you, well, hey, you know, okay, so the baby's out healthy and I got to get some stitches. That's no big deal, right? That's the cost. That's the cost. But that's not the cost. There's other things that are going on there, right? Like yeah. what are the benefits of a vaginal birth? Because we can sit this like, well, the baby's out. Who cares, right? Like what are the benefits of a vaginal birth over a tradition or a conventional C-section that you're probably going to get if you were to get one in the hospital without any influence? 
the benefits. Yeah. Well, a C-section is major abdominal surgery. Yeah. Major. You're cutting through like seven layers of different things in the body. And most importantly, obviously the uterus is super important and that matters for next pregnancies. But you're cutting through your muscles, your abdominal muscles. Like that is insane. And what's crazy is if you have a regular surgery on your knee or your shoulder, you get prescribed PT because that's major surgery. That does not happen. Are you serious? C-sections. Zero. I mean, trunk, like that's so much of what you do every day revolves around your trunk being able to move. Like whenever I would get the guys at Next Level Chiropractic in in Austin, like they would needle, I would get dry needles in my abdomen all the time. I love dry needling. It's so great. But it was like, because I would get locked up in there from CrossFit shit. Yeah. Yeah. You don't get a prescription from your OBGYN for PT. Maybe if you asked, they might, but it's not standard. Isn't that fucking crazy? I feel like that should be a thing even just after pregnant, after birth and in general, like pelvic I know, floor right? PT, like. Yeah. So you're just cutting these women open. It's a very gnarly surgery. I mean, it happens in like 20 minutes. So you're cutting through all this, getting the baby out in 20 minutes and then sewing them back up, putting them into postpartum. They like, it's called a fundal massage, but it's not a massage. They literally like press super aggressively onto the uterus to help it contract and get smaller in case... You know, they just want to see if there's hemorrhage, basically. Yeah. It's so aggressive. And then they're just like, okay, see you later. Two days Man, later. That's whenever wild. Holy shit. So there's that. That's why I really didn't want a C-section. You know, Michael and I talked through the like, okay, well, what ifs, mm-hmm. right? He's like, okay, well, what if you got a C-section? And I'm like, well, obviously, if I get a C-section, it's going to be necessary because I'm doing a home birth. But I really don't want one because my body. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't want my abs cut into. Like, yeah, I'm super vain about that. But he was like, well, I just don't want the baby to be born via C-section. And I'm like, well, yeah, I don't want that either. But I care more about myself in this moment. We get, there's, so for the there's baby, ways that you can get the same. Ben- you can you kind of go around. Yeah. I don't think it's probably as good. But you can tr- you can try and do the best you can. <laughs> if you go into labor and then have a C-section. I think that's best case scenario physically for the baby. Mm-hmm. That's telling me that baby was at least ready to come out. Okay. Right? Like if labor starts naturally and just things aren't progressing and you end up having a C-section, at least you know that baby was ready. Right? Mm-hmm. That's how I like to think about it. Now, scheduling a C-section is much better emotionally for mom, in my opinion. If I were to have a C-section, I would much rather choose it emotionally because i'd be like preparing for that ahead of time yeah emotionally as much as i wouldn't want to now for the baby well first of all you have all those drugs anesthesia coursing through your body of course they say it's totally fine safe and effective you know like the word safe and effective mean absolutely fucking nothing anymore (laughs) now all these c-section babies i know you know you're fine yeah i mean i guess you made it this far. But what are they missing out on? So they're missing out a lot of really important vaginal and anal, hey, hey, microbiome when they exit the vagina. And so when they come out, they literally like inhale the goo, swallow it, and it goes into their gut and it sets up their gut microbiome. It starts to. So some people who know they're going to have a C-section or maybe even an unexpected C-section will ask for a vaginal swab. Mm -hmm. So basically, they're going to swab the vagina, 
vagina vagina <laughs> before surgery and then basically kind of smother the baby with it when it's yeah. out I don't think that's really common practice. Well, no, but that's like, like that we would do. That, it's a thing, though. Right? Yeah, it's a yeah, thing. But totally. you, have to, you have to. It's not like, oh, hey, no one, no one goes, hey, you're having a C-section. And here's this thing, and like the gut microbiome is really important. Blah blah blah. blah so we can do no this one swap. is saying that. At no the one's hospital. fucking saying that. No one even. No. You know what? Honestly, I taught my mom that. <laughs> my mom has given has been involved in hundreds, if not thousands, of births. Yeah. I taught my mom that, dude. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? That is awesome. Which is crazy. Yeah, she's no, going to be like here for our, our home birth and hopefully everything goes okay. It's gonna be, I mean, I think I'm not, honestly, I think she's going to look at birth completely different as somebody who has been in emergency C-section RN for totally. years. You know? Yeah, that's so cool. So I'm, I'm, I'm so that's one of the reasons I was really excited for her to be here, even though we have to have strong boundaries. Totally. Okay. So there's so many reasons there. Now, now we talked about a little bit about C-section, but what about induction? These are two really common right. things. Like, I don't know much don't about- Don't get me started. I'm getting you started. Let's go. <laughs> Talk to me about induction. Okay. So doctors induce all the time. Yeah. Because you, you, you were saying when the baby's ready to come, right? That's a different conversation. Then, yeah. Yeah. Right. So- The induction rate is really high. And I don't want to scroll on my phone right now, but it's in one of my posts, but it's very high. And for those of you who don't know, induction is when you medically start labor- in a number of ways. One way is Pitocin. <clears throat> you get that in IV drip. Pitocin is a uterotonic medication. It is synthetic oxytocin. <clears throat> it is not oxytocin, just so we're clear. Yeah. What that does is it makes the uterus contract. like, And it is zero to 60 fast. Women who have Pitocin without an epidural say it's like absolutely miserable because the contractions are so intense and so close together so quickly. Yeah, you're not like, we're not warming it up. There's no foreplay into those contractions. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, like early labor is maybe an hour. Versus <laughs> versus what if you're natural, generally, on average? Like mine was like nine hours. Okay. And that's, you know, one hour is not a real statistic, but it's quick. Yeah. And it's very uncomfortable, very quick. So women who get induced aren't like, I don't know what labor feels like. I know what Pitocin feels like. <laughs> yeah, and gotcha. I'm like, yep. yep. You know, it's very different. There's something else, another medication called Cytotec that they use. Super interesting about Cytotec. Okay, wait, let me go back to Pitocin. Pitocin is not FDA approved for non-medical induction, meaning doctors will say, oh, you're 41 weeks. We got to induce you today. And they start you on Pitocin. That is a non-medical reason to induce. There's no diagnosis there. Okay, I see. Yeah. So a medical reason for a Pitocin induction would be something like... So like that's an induction based on convenience is what that is. Yes. For the for the doctor, not the mom. Zero evidence. <laughs> There's That is a non-evidence-based... Yeah. And doctors and hospitals have these protocols where they say, if by 41 weeks you haven't gone into labor, we're going to induce you. That's the language they use. We talk about this a lot in my prenatal series, and I always tell these women, listen, you're not me, but if it were me, I would say, okay, put me on your schedule and then not show up. Yeah. You know, I would just not go. And then they'd call me and be like, where are you? You're scheduled for an induction. And I'm like, oh, that's your schedule, not mine. <laughs> it's not a baby schedule. Yeah. <laughs> baby hasn't set up its Google calendar yet, bitch. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. And these women look at me like... Uh, I don't know if I could do that. And I'm like, yes, you can. Just don't go. I promise. Yeah, I feel like if I was in the room, I'd be like, like, the fuck you are. Yeah. I'm like, they're not going to arrest you. Yeah. 
<laughs> they crazy. might drop you out of their care, but that would be extreme. Yeah. And here's what happens if they drop you out of their care. You go to the emergency room at the same hospital when you go into labor, and then they bring you to labor and delivery. It's freaking no big deal. Yeah. Okay, so not FDA approved for non-medical labor induction. Freaking crazy. Yeah. Now, I don't care about FDA approval, but hospitals say they do. You and I don't have a high, high opinion of the FDA, no. Yeah. Now, that's I know the... we use medications off-label off all the time, Yeah. but that's an interesting fact. Yes. Okay, you would so think then if it's called... that important and there's that many inductions that it would have been worth giving it a look. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just giving it a look. It's a quick little So rant. then there's something called Cytotec, okay. which is a medication, like a pill. And Cytotec was actually created to either cure or alleviate stomach ulcers. And they found out that women's services were opening. So they're like, oh, damn. Well, that's not what we meant to happen, but now we can use it for something else. Kind of wild how often that happens. (laughs) Yeah. So Cytotec is not FDA approved for labor at all. And it is used all the time. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's actually most commonly used in abortions or miscarriage. Like if you're miscarrying and the baby isn't coming out, they'll give you Cytotec. Mm. Or if you're having an abortion, they'll give you Cytotec. And yeah, that basically just opens the cervix. But the risk of Cytotec is hemorrhage and it not working. So then you're freaking stuck at the hospital. And I was at a Cytotec induction where it did not work. And it sucked because we got to the hospital at like nine o'clock at night and you have to take Cytotec every four hours. And so she's up all night walking around the halls, you know, trying to let gravity work with the Cytotec, open the cervix. Literally nothing happened. I mean, Mm. zero labor. So then the morning when she's exhausted, they start Pitocin. It's fucking like, that's the cascade of intervention. I would never take Cytotec in labor. Now, sometimes they use Cytotec postpartum if there is a hemorrhage because it can also help contract the uterus very mildly postpartum. Yeah. I'm not a fan, but I'm more of a fan of that than... That seems to make a little bit more sense. One thing I want to highlight that you said there, being a doula, you were a doula in the hospital, which is very much a thing. Doulas are not only for home births and they can advocate for you in the hospital. They know your birth plan. And when you're doing the thing and your husband's doing the thing or your partner or whatever is going on, your doula can advocate for you in the hospital, knowing what you want and standing up for you when you're very, very vulnerable having had experience. And I think that's something that's really important to know. Yeah. And my friend, her name is Selena and she's shared her birth story on the birth fit podcast. It was so unfortunate. Her baby had a D cell. Mm -hmm. So, at her 41-week mark, she has a non-stress test. Baby has a D-cell and a non-stress test. Now, this is sometimes cause for concern, sometimes just a D-cell, and then things normalize. Well, her midwives, as soon as they heard that D-cell, they dropped their care. And they were like, you got to go to the hospital and get induced tonight. She's like, what? She's like, well, we could wait 24 hours, but you still have to go to the hospital in 24 hours. I'm not going to do a home birth. So it's like, you could let me wait 24 hours, but this obviously is an emergency. Because if it was an emergency, you would say, don't wait 24 hours. We're going right now. Right? Yeah. But they're like, we're not going to do a home birth for you. And she's like, what the fuck? So I guess I should just go to the hospital right now. Because I was like, well, what if you just go into labor tonight? She's still not going to do it? She said no. And I was like, damn, that is just so brutal. But so anyway, Cytotec, Pitocin, the whole nine ended in a C-section. It was so terrible. She was one of my close friends. And 
at the time I didn't know as much as I know now, mm -hmm. you know, it's like hindsight is 2020, but she had a wonderful redemptive home birth with her second baby. So, so I love in home birth, vaginal home birth. I love that happens whenever it goes from C-section to home birth that I think that's just one of the most wild things. And I know that it happens a lot. I've seen it from a lot. Cause I mean, I'm 30, we're having kids. Kelly's 34. She'll probably be 35 when the baby comes to her birthday is yeah. a couple weeks before. Around when, the due date. Yeah. Right around the due date. So I'm hoping, I actually hope they share a birthday. I think it'd be really funny if she gave birth on her birthday. I mean, it is a birthday, right? So it makes yeah. sense. And mine and my mom's birthday are really close. So it's kind of funny that they're all right. My there. dad and my sister are a day apart. It's oh, really cool. That's really cute. Yeah. We have a yeah. lot of like shared birthdays <laughs> in my family. It's really funny. Oh, my dad's birthday is right in there too. I just realized that. Weird. I know I have a lot of friends that have had multiple children by now, right? So like my friends, Jesse, Jesse and Amanda, they own Central Athlete there in Austin. I don't know if you're super familiar, but they- you hooked me up with him? Yeah, absolutely. They're rad people. So they have two right now. And their first one, they did at the birthing center. And he was like, it was so funny. He was like, we were talking about it and he was like, yeah, man, they were just too cautious. Like they ended up going into the hospital and he was just like, I just didn't really feel like it was that necessary. It's like, yeah. it's almost like you went, so they went to the birthing center that was attached to the hospital. Cause I think Amanda's family wanted that. Or maybe she gotcha. did. I don't really sure. And it was like, if it didn't go perfectly right, right. in the birthing center, you were going to the hospital, which like there was no barrier. Cause they were connected. There was no real barrier to entry to get in yeah, over there. Yeah. Anytime I hear a birth center attached to a hospital, I'm like red flag. Yeah. And I know there's some that are nearby. I think it's important yeah. probably to be close. Like yes. we think about like how our closest hospital is 15 minutes, right? So we'll have that whole, and it's yeah, a good hospital. Perfect. We have it all figured out. You know, I've just got a new truck. That's really big. She can lay down in the back. We're good to go. Right? Love it. <laughs> <laughs> but then the next one, he was like, we just did it at home. We were just gonna do a home birth, right? So they had the midwife, had the doulas there. They were doing their thing. Motherfucker goes and puts the birthing tub, which I guess they bought one instead of getting renting one. Uh -huh. Didn't put the plug in it. And it had the water hose just going in this in the oh, birth yeah. tub in their living room. Didn't put the You're plug in it. The birth only took 20, 25 minutes in the bathroom. She gave birth to it. I think it may be in the bathtub or just in the bathroom, maybe sitting on the toilet. Uh, you so know, the, all the while they filled up this tub. They filled up in the living room. room. <laughs> oh my God. So, so it goes back in. They have a brand new baby. They walk in and then they're, they're living. There's like three inches of water in their living room. And it had like oh, little steps. No. It was all held in there. So it was really, I mean, to me, it's like a fun birth story to me personally, but. <laughs> Yeah, but it just happened. He was like, it was just so much less stress. And then one thing that I think about with home births that really trips me out is like, I love that the baby doesn't even need to leave the house. Like it's at it's home. It's the best thing ever. You're just home. And like no one has yeah. to leave. The baby's just home. It doesn't have to go from, it don't have to put it in the car. It doesn't have to ride in a car for probably a month, two months. Like I don't know where, I don't, I'm not planning yeah. on taking it anywhere. Like it's not like I have to take it to the fucking grocery store. Right. So it's just right. home. We can go walk outside. You can do whatever. Like I was, be, I was just doing it in the winter times. So it'd be a lot of snow. So just be like hanging around, making bone broth, you know, hanging out with Dude. the baby. And it's like, I don't have to worry about any of that shit. And there's something about Being it. And at I've, home is it, the greatest thing ever. It's gotta be. It's just got, and like your food's Stash, there. It's going to yeah. be, uh, I don't know. Stasha's born at 2.30 in the afternoon, which is kind of uncommon. A lot of babies, I know we talked about this recently, but a lot of women labor at night and then babies are born early morning and whatever. He was born at 2.30 in the afternoon. Which I loved because after the first hour of commotion, you kind of like come back to life mm -hmm. and you're like, holy shit. Okay, we're home with this baby. <laughs> and we didn't tell our family, come over the day it's born. We're like, we'll tell you. Yeah, that's how we And then after too, about yeah. an hour, I was like, okay, I want our parents here and I want pizza now. <laughs> and so I was like, Michael, tell your mom to bring like five pizzas. <laughs> and uh, she did. And our parents came over, baby maybe two and a half hours after the birth. So it was about five o'clock at that point. Mm -hmm. Before they got there, the midwives were like, okay, it's been the hour, hour and a half. Let's go 
try and pee and go take a shower. So I go to the bathroom. I get in the shower. And I'm like washing my hair. And I'm like, what am I actually doing right now? Like, this is such a trip. I'm in my own bathroom. I didn't like go to a postpartum suite, you know? I just walked down the hall to my bathroom. I get out. Michael's holding the baby. Then my parents come. Michael's mom is there. We're all sitting around the table eating pizza. They brought champagne. And I was like, this is awesome, but so weird because it didn't feel like this monumental thing. It was just like shower, go to the bathroom, eat pizza, like normal things. But I just gave birth yeah. three hours ago. It was so weird. Dude, I'm going to have to. And then once, yeah, that's crazy. I was like, that's yeah. exactly what I thought. It's like Kelly wanted pizza too, by the way. <laughs> oh, like, nice. Yeah, sorry, honestly, sorry it was amazing. It. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> I had so much pizza. I was so hungry. <laughs> I probably had 10 pieces of pizza. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And then once the midwives left, you kind of have this feeling like, they're just going to leave us here with this baby. Like, we don't know how to do this. But they think it's cool. So I guess we're good. And then we just did bedtime. And we didn't watch TV for the first week. We just kind of like let our nervous system settle. I really liked that. So we just like had music on and we're just kind of looking at him and cuddling. We were so tired. So we went to bed at like nine o'clock and just like woke up the next day and now we have a baby. (laughs) It was crazy. It's wild, right? (laughs) So being at home is the greatest thing ever. And we actually did leave three days after birth because we did do the immediate pediatrician visit. Okay. Seems, seems reasonable. Yeah. He was fine, but, you know, we did the thing. Established care, and then we took him to the chiropractor. But then other than that, yeah, you're just home. So tell no. me about this. You brought this up. You brought a three-day-old baby yeah. to the chiropractor. <laughs> so we went when he was six days old. Okay, six days old. So Kelly and I have had so many arguments about this because I'm like, that seems like the weirdest slash dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. I think that babies are like malleable and it's not like they're bendy and it's fine. She's like, birth is traumatic. I'm like, I don't think birth is traumatic. I think that that's like your kind of evolution. That wouldn't make sense evolutionarily, even though it is kind of weird because it's like we haven't really caught up. If you watch any animal give birth and then you watch a human animal give birth, Mm-hmm. One, I mean, also we can talk about hospitals and how those stirrups and that style of giving birth makes totally. very little sense at all. Like, yeah, gravity doesn't really work for you. There's like, I can't imagine just like laying, like it just doesn't make sense, right? The tearing, I think that happens a lot through a lot of that too. Mm-hmm. But the baby chiropractor, I can see kids, like for sure. Like, yeah, like I can see your kids now. Like they're older and they can. I mean, they're not older. They're like what five and two? <laughs> Something like that. They're four and two. Four and two. I was so close. Yeah, I can see that. But the infants at chiropractic like what in the actual fuck is this all about okay cool let's talk about it okay birth is dramatic okay imagine being squeezed like non-stop in this compression imagine you're like in a compression tank and you're just <laughs> every five minutes you're getting the living daylight squeezed out of you that's intense that's what's happening yeah even if it's not in your head like a nightmare situation, it's still intense yeah. for you. You're getting squeezed hard. Mm-hmm. And then your skull has to go through a tiny little canal. And it is going through bone. It's going through the pelvis. Yeah, the head is extremely malleable. But what happens if the head is slightly cocked to the side? Mm. 
and the jaw comes out like this. Yeah. But you don't really notice it. Right? Well, what if that is the reason your baby has latch issues, not a tongue tie? Right? What uh, if the jaw is slightly yeah. misaligned? Like, what if they come out with that facial presentation? Remember we were talking yeah, about Yeah, with, with the, we were talking about it's like there's been a lot of videos, photos lately. Maybe because we can share one on the gram where like the face comes out first. A little jutted out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Like, it's not like you're fracturing their skull. That's yeah. not the trauma we're talking about. It's just they're being squeezed to shit. Yeah. And so even though their skull is super malleable, there might be some misalignment when they're being squeezed like mm, that. Okay. Especially if they're in a weird position. Yeah. They still come out vaginally, but if they're like sunny side up or if they're slightly head is tilted to the side, mm. head is slightly tilted. An adjustment can be a game changer for colic. Colic can be just a birth injury. Like for the woo-woo moms out there, colic is not a real thing. What is colic? Colic is... Colic is where babies scream nonstop. Oh, I was a colic baby. Okay. We scream nonstop. And it's like pediatricians just say, oh, they're just a colicky baby. Right. So what's wrong? That well, seems that seems like wrong. not an answer. Yeah. It's just colic. It's kind of like just a weird ass description for your baby will grow out of it one day. Well, what if mm. they don't? You know, it could be a birth injury. It could be a medication injury. You know what I'm talking about? A medication yeah. injury? Yeah. yeah. We, like, we know. Yeah. That's <laughs> super subtle. Um, <laughs> Jesus I, fucking Christ. I'm really so censored these days that I just, my <laughs> language matters. Because I didn't get it for a second. I was like, wait, a medication injury? I was like, oh, we get right. it now. Yeah. So chiropractic care can be extremely valuable for aligning their jaw, for aligning even though the bones in their skull are so malleable, just like checking the tension in the muscles around the skull. Mm-hmm. Baby adjustments, they say, is like testing the ripeness of a tomato. It okay. is not like... Yeah, I think that's part no. of it too. Like the, the eventual, I mean, Because when I go to the chiropractor, right, I'm like, yank that shit, baby. Let's go. Siobhan just started getting like adult adjustments. Okay. And she's two. Yeah. They're really gentle. Like, I mean, with newborns, it is literally just kind of like fingers gently touching the spine, kind of like you know, literally just touching it. Yeah. I mean, when I saw Lindsay do it, I was like, Lindsay Marshall, that's birth fit. And is that her handle now still? Lindsay Matthews. Lindsay Matthews. Excuse me. Yeah. Now it's Cantu. Oh, that's right. She married Lance. Yeah. God. Yeah. I know. <laughs> that's crazy. <Love> it. <laughs> but Lindsay Cantu. Yeah. If you want to go find her, yeah. we can put her in the, in the description. When I saw her, yes. dude, I was like, okay, that makes a little bit more sense to me. Like it, when I started so seeing it, babies, I think it, but it was my immediate reaction was like absolutely fucking not. If you see a baby with flat head, yes, right, that is a sign that their range of motion is disrupted, or they just have negligent parents. But I'm not going to go there. Most often, it is just a disrupted range of motion. So chiropractic care can be really good for their cervical spine. So they move their head with ease, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, I'm a huge fan, obviously. My kids okay. have gone since birth. And if you believe in the power of chiropractic care when it comes to the nervous system as a whole, it's really incredible for their general wellness and their overall health and their immunity. Because, I mean, hopefully we know that, well, most of us in America don't know that your immune system is controlled by your nervous system. Mm-hmm. If your nervous system isn't working, your body's kind of shutting down. So if you have a nervous system-based chiropractor who really kind of gets in touch with that your baby's going to be real healthy i mean my kids get sick 
I'm not going to be one of those people who's like, my kids never get sick. Yeah. They get sick. Well, kids could, should get sick. Yeah. But they're fine, you know? So I'm a huge fan. Love it. Okay. Good. Yeah. I think we're learning a lot here. I hope so. And I'm sure there's people in that are, you know, just thinking about And like, women people, should get adjusted immediately postpartum because it is yeah, a trauma 1, to the woman. 1, even if you don't have an emotionally traumatic experience. Well, and these are things too. Your body you, just got rocked. You may not think about that, but you want to schedule that shit or like have somebody on call where it's mm-hmm. like, okay, within the next, you know, 48 hours or so, like you have somebody to go come work on you or do a house call or whatever. Like we have our Kelly's chiropractor. So we've now have different ones because see Kelly plans things out in advance and like goes to her body worker. She has oh, a yeah. every two weeks. I only call mine when shit goes wrong, which yeah. is also the same frequency, <laughs> but I don't plan them at all. So I was like, I had to go to the, one of the other people at this. Mine's name is Jen. Hers name is Caroline. They're both great at total human solutions. I forget the name of their place, but I'll shout out to them. I will, uh, you know, shout them out all the time. Awesome. But it's like, She'll come to the house if we need her to for that. My chiropractor came to my house. Yeah, she'll come to the house and bring. I was like, I'll fucking buy a table and put it in the house. I kind of right? want one anyways because house calls are the shit. But yeah, it's really. I think having that stuff on deck is like something you may not think about. But then you're like, I yeah, I can only imagine what it's like for you ladies to go through all that thing, the whole situation. What's so interesting is epidurals is a spinal tap. So obviously we're not talking about home birth right now. Yeah, epidurals is a spinal tap. It's a nerve block in the spine. Mm-hmm. So gnarly. And I had a friend who gave birth in June. She's texting me a few days postpartum. I'm like, I can't really walk. And I was like, did you get an epidural? She's like, yeah. And I said, okay, go to the chiropractor immediately. And I knew she wasn't going to. So I just texted her every day. Call your chiropractor. Go to the chiropractor. Literally one adjustment. And she could lift up her leg. She's like, I couldn't lift up my leg like more than an inch off the ground. Yeah. And it's like those types of situations. And that's the stuff that no one talks about. Mm -hmm. I talk about it in my class, but no one talks about when it comes to the risks of these medication is like injection site injury that is in your fucking spine. Yeah. So if you had an epidural and you're dealing with back issues, go see a chiropractor. Like so helpful. Got it. Totally. Okay. So you got two. We said four and two. So Stosh and Siobhan, mm-hmm. which you stole our girl's name, even though we would have changed it. Kelly told me that. I know. Well, billion. Or, uh, yeah. Is it billions? No, it's a succession. Succession. God, it's such a cool name though. And she's such a bad bitch in that show. And the I funny know. thing is your Siobhan is kind of the same like color coloring as her. She's very fair yeah. skinned, like light hair, the whole thing. Yeah. But I also have just have a huge crush on that actress. She's so fun. She's all thick. She's it's awesome. Juicy. She's a friend of a friend. So. Hey, what's up? Tell Kelly. <laughs> Um, <laughs> for, for six or eight months from now that's one thing too with our whole like and people know about this like they kind of like we talk about it, okay babe like the non-traditional relationship i was like it's funny because now we're like once we have kids and we still do like the same stuff that we do mm-hmm. like the women that we like will be doing this whole thing with are like it's like we're, it's gonna be other moms <laughs> it's like, yeah we're gonna have to get like share child care for these nights i'm get a so hotel room. <laughs> curious to see how that goes i was thinking about that today i was like that's fucking hilarious like we're gonna be like <laughs> Yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? Fuck it, you know? <laughs> but uh, no, I think so. You had your two kids a couple years apart. What were the things? I know we talked about this a little bit. I know I- I'm trying to avoid this, but I know it's an unavoidable. It's like, what are the things that you said that your husband did, like apologize to Stosh for some things that they did that you didn't oh. do with Siobhan? So like, what are the yeah. things that you learned between the two that you're like, oh God, if I could go back and do it, if I had the experience, because everybody's like, it's the same thing. I had did a hospital birth, the whole thing, and then I did a home birth <laughs> second. And I felt bad now. It's like, it was so much better for me mm-hmm. and my family. And our just, you know, it, we just didn't have, we didn't think we had the choice, but I just had a, such a bad hospital experience that I started looking at other options. So now it's like, 
I wish I would have done that the first time. And yeah. my buddy Jesse, same deal with their second one. It's like, oh, I wish we would have, you know, now they, and now one's vaccinated, one's not vaccinated. And it's like, yep. and they're like, shit, you know, it's like when we have to explain this to them when they get older and, you know, or maybe one's circumcised and one's not circumcised. Like mm-hmm. we're not going to circumcise if it's a boy or whenever we have a boy. Right. I resent the fact that I was circumcised. I think that um, it's absurd. People are like, aren't you worried about germs? I'm like, no, I'm not worried about germs because it's not the fucking 1600s. We're fine. <laughs> like I have soap. I can wash myself. Are you fucking serious? Are women's vaginas worried about germs? Like they can get all kinds of fucking right? shit up in there. Like what in the fuck are we talking about germs? <laughs> Are you serious? Sasha's had two infections in his penis. I don't know how to describe it other than that. Yeah. And it's because he was legit refusing baths. Yeah, I've had infections and, on my penis when I was a kid too, and I'm yeah. circumcised. Yeah, exactly. He had sick antibiotics. Fu- that you're, sucks. You're a dirty but little sometimes, fucker. Yeah, you're sometimes you need antibiotics. Yeah. Like four-year-old boys um, are disgusting. They're disgusting little fucking creatures. Right? <laughs> it was. They're awesome but and beautiful and amazing and gross. It was so sad. I can imagine. Poor little penis. Oh, little pee pee, little pee pee infection. It's no big deal. Yeah. It was fine. Okay. So, two things that we did that we regret formula, vaccines. I'll talk about formula first because that one's quick. So, I went to Mexico when I was pregnant and then I was like 33 weeks. I got blood work. I did the whole panel, blood, urine, stool, six weeks postpartum, full checkup. And my mm-hmm. doctor was like, your whole stool sample is like red. That means like you are diseased. Something's going on. You're diseased. <laughs> like something is bad. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I feel fine. She like palpated my belly and was like, holy shit, there's so much bloat in here. I was like, yeah, that feels pretty uncomfortable. Yeah. And you're postpartum, She's so like, you don't really think about like. I'm sure no, a little like, bit of a little bit of bloating is like normal. You, it, yeah. Totally. Like I was six weeks postpartum. Yeah. And she was like, you have a parasite, but Ooh. I don't want to start you on any herbs because you're breastfeeding and you say you're fine. So let's not worry about it until you're done breastfeeding or till, you know, something comes up. Okay. I'm like, whatever. I completely forget about this parasite. And when Stasha's around six months old, I start to have horrendous stomach pain. And I like couldn't really eat. I lost 25 pounds in a month. And everyone in LA is like, oh my God, what's going on? You look amazing. Do you have a parasite? I'm like, I have a parasite. I think I'm dying. They're like, oh my God, I want a parasite. Literally someone said that to me. I was like... LA LA is a place for you to hear that. Yeah. I was like, I don't know what's happening <laughs> at all times. <laughs> like brain fog. It was insane. Yeah. So anyway, finally it was like, holy shit. Remember that doctor's appointment I had where they said I have a parasite? It's probably destroying my body. Yeah. Which it was. And then I was on this total healing journey for like the next 12 months. But wow. anyway, my breast milk kind of completely dwindled. And because I was so stressed out about my health because I was like, what is happening? I did not have a moment to try and find the healthiest option. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I can't even think straight. So our pediatrician was like, try supplementing because I was still nursing. And so she's like, just take this box of formula home and supplement. Well, then I got really stressed out about how much milk he was getting from my boobs that I just bottle fed him. I pumped mm-hmm. and bottle fed him. Mm-hmm. And then he started, and then he refused the boob. Mm. And again, that stressed me out, but I was more stressed out about him getting food than trying to get him back on the breast. Of course, yeah. So it just like stopped. Anyway, so we fucking fed him Gerber. Oh. 
Yeah. All right. Sorry, dude. Sorry, Pam. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it happens. He's doing so. great now. Yeah. It happens. And honestly, it was when he was six months old. We started feeding him food at around 10 months old. So we had like four months only of formula. We're not shaming moms who fed their kids formula either. We are not shaming moms. And I'll be honest, we got all of our formula for free from the pediatrician. And that was a big saving for us. Yeah. Like we didn't want to spend a ton of money on formula. Mm-hmm. We were just trying to make it to a year old. Yeah, and now it's like, if I were to do that, it'd be like, I have raw milk. We can make raw milk formula. I yeah. could dehydrate shit. Like, I'm crafty with that kind of stuff. Like, I would do we would have, goat milk. Knowing what I know now, yeah. six months old, I would have given him raw milk without hesitation. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't and have even made formula. When you think about this, like, if my cousin actually lives out in West Texas, and they found a abandoned calf. And it was a young calf, really. And he, I mean, she could carry it on her shoulder type of thing. Little pity guy. And they were bottle feeding it, but it was like, he probably won't survive. Because if they don't get colostrum off the off the tit early on, they don't they don't develop a gut microbiome and they just die. They just can't yeah. digest food, so they end up like kind of starving to death. So if they if they get that way and they, that's where they're going, they'll just put it down. But they're trying to do it the best they can. But it's just like you can't. And I think about that. It's like a cow is definitely different than a person, right? But we're still yeah. mammals, and that's the essential. Like it's life or death for that cow to get mm-hmm. colostrum from the tit. Like you cannot. There's no. The powder colostrum doesn't work. It doesn't. None of that shit works. You gotta fucking yeah. feed them from the mama or some it doesn't have to be their mom just a cow has to feed that calf colostrum or else their gut yeah. microbiome just is not developed and you gotta think about that like we're different but how different are we really you know exactly and so you said raw milk and you think that's an adequate substitution at six months oh yeah like just straight yeah. up raw milk in a bottle raw cow mm-hmm. milk i mean we have if anybody's in our area i can get you hooked up like it's a hard thing to find but once you find yeah. it it's great same with in texas Maybe I would put some like collagen powder in there just mm-hmm. for like a little bit extra calories or maybe some like butter in there, honestly. Yeah. Like I would maybe blend it with butter. That'd be so good. Right. But like we started giving Siobhan raw milk at seven months old, not bottles, just like tastes. Mm-hmm. Just kind of saw how her stomach did with it. I mean, she had absolutely zero issue. Don't you do something like a milkshake with like uh, honey, yeah. raw milk and something else? Raw eggs. Raw eggs. And you just blend it up yeah. for them? She started having that at eight months old. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. I mean, I was when, like, when I started eating, we'll see what like, happens. When I started switching over to baby food, I tell a story a lot about my grandma because this is how I think this is how I got to be the size that I am. Her specialty was chicken fried steak, chicken fried steak, mashed potatoes, and gravy. Yeah, that was just you mean from a large Texas woman, <laughs> right? Like, the, like yeah. a woman who looked like she could cook some goddamn food, you know, and also smoke two packs of bar rolls a day, you know, one of those type of deals. Love it. She's so, still alive. No, no, she passed away from ALS a few years ago. But um, yeah, it it wasn't a surprise that she passed away. Like I had come to terms in college. I was like, she could die tomorrow and I wouldn't be surprised. Watching a woman like that though, that like grew up and like picked cotton after school, never graduated high school, like just, and then her and my granddad got married when they were like 17 and 15 or something crazy like that, right? Watching her die from a disease like ALS. Brutal. Which people understand. It's like, well, you're watching, it's like somebody getting dementia, very similar. Like, not that the symptoms aren't the same, but like, just you're watching someone is like degrading, like a strong woman just all of a sudden can't like yeah. use her hand. It's a weird way for someone to, to, so to lose someone. I'm like, I'd rather you just put a just, like, I had a heart attack like you were supposed to, or stroke, or die. Yeah. You just, like, I don't yeah. know, like, fell off a cliff. I don't fucking know. Something that's like, <laughs> She didn't want it. And she was like over it. She was like, it was, it was one of those things where I realized like when that happened, like when you're ready, when you're in that situation and you're ready to die, you will die. She's like, I'm fucking over this shit. I'm dead. I was like, okay, cool. She fought it for a little while, but just didn't have it in her. But anyway, she would make 
So her thing was chicken fried steak, which is like a sirloin steak, and you tenderize the shit out of it, bread it, fry it in bacon grease, of course, right? So heavy cream, yeah. eggs, egg yolk, flour, <laughs> right? Fried in bacon grease, Sounds of course, amazing. and then you use that same bacon grease to then make gravy, right? <laughs> so you have mm-hmm, this. Mm-hmm. And so she would take a little bitty piece of chicken fried steak and some mashed potatoes and some gravy and a little bit of heavy cream and put that in a blender and blend it up and feed that to me as baby food. Wow. And I'm like, and people are like, that's so weird and gross. I'm like, you ate fucking peas out of a jar, bitch. Like, <laughs> I'm like, Literally. what do you think I thought about that as a 10 month old or a one year old, like eating that on a spoon? I was probably Best like, save your life every yeah, day. I mean, it's just like so the, how savory that whole thing is and how many calories are in that. It's like, I think that's one of the reasons I really think that's why I'm such a big person. Like I eat like that that's amazing. my whole life. I we mean, have my a whole friend. Life. We have a friend who's from Sweden. We're not really friends with them anymore in LA. And we went over for dinner one night and her kid, I think was under one, pretty sure under one. And she was making like their night bottle mm-hmm. and it was oats, butter, and either heavy cream or like goat milk or something. And then she put it all in a blender, butter, oats, and milk. I gave that to her babies for bed. I was like, that's fucking awesome. That sounds great though. And especially because yeah. dairy is so rich in casein protein, which is a slow digesting protein, which is great before bed. If you're trying yeah. to like gain weight, which is yeah. something, you know, if as an athlete, and if you your baby that. is well fed before bed, they'll sleep more. Exactly. So that makes total sense. Yeah. So yeah. I, I get it. And this is one of the things like you learn this stuff after the fact. So totally. So formula. Yeah. Again, we're not shaming moms, but there are, no shame. Be- there are better alternatives and much if, better alternatives, but also feed your baby the best thing you can afford. Mm. That's all we're going to say about that. But uh, next up, oh yeah, vaccines. This is where it gets fun. This is what everybody's been waiting for. We'll probably <laughs> let it rip. Because we, right. we, you and I are both unvaccinated COVID, whatever the mm-hmm. fuck. I don't know. We were grandma killers. I actually went out of my way to kill as many grandmas as possible just because I was like, <laughs> I didn't want Jen Saki to be wrong about me. You see what I'm saying? I wanted them to be, right? I, I was like, I feel you guys have been wrong about so much with COVID. I'm going to actually go into a nursing home and start spitting on people. So I just started going into nursing homes and just spitting on old folks. The funny thing was none of them died. <laughs> How weird. <laughs> and they kind of liked it. Old folks are kinky. This lady's like, come on in my mouth. And I was like, whoa, dude, like chill grandma. You should look at the lady from Happy yeah. Gilmore. It was hot. But uh, yes, we're grandma killers. Yeah, so we're grandma killers. We, we aren't Proud. vaccinated for COVID. But uh, the whole rhetoric around vaccines in COVID, I'm curious what the, va- the children's vaccine numbers are going to be in the next 10 years because Dude. of all of us that were like, suck my dick. Like, truly. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wait. And like, how many people know who, oh, shit, what's his name now? Not Ted Kennedy. RFK. Robert. RF, Robert F. Yeah, Robert F. How many people, know, RFK Jr., how many people know who he is today who had no idea pre COVID? A lot. Millions. Right? Millions. And like you see all of this stuff now and it's like motherfucking Tony Fauci just gave EcoHealth Alliance a bunch of more money on his way out. I'm like, this is the most absurd shit. Like that's our taxpayer dollars. Do I not get a say in this motherfucker? Like this guy's unelected. No. I'm like, what? Anyway, so this has led to this whole place where it's like, I'm not even scared to put this out on social media anymore because like it's become such a, even my vaccinated friends are like, I don't know, man. And I know some people who like some good friends of ours got vaccinated because they had to travel overseas and they had two young babies or no one at the time. And they're like, listen, I have to go see my, I can't not see my fam. Like my grandparents are old and I want them to see my child. You know what I mean? And I get that 1000%, but they didn't really want to. It wasn't like they had to for work. It was like, they had to make an unfortunate decision that it was unfair for them to even have to have to make that decision in the first place. I would think half of the people that are vaccinated is because of that. 
at least. Oh, yeah, at least. Because they just had to for some fucking reason that they didn't really want to. And that was, yeah. I mean, the carrot of the stick type of deal, which was fucking bullshit. Sometimes I ask Michael, all right, how much money would you get a COVID vaccine for? <laughs> He's like, zero dollars. I would never do it. And yeah. I'm like, oh, I'd do it for $10 million. Oh, I mean, I'd do it for $10 million. Yeah, you have to pay me. Obviously. Yeah. I mean, that's like... i for a million, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it's like if, you still look, if you had a suitcase with $10 million, you'd be like, yeah, dude, like, hit me up. Give me that J&J, dog. Yeah. I'll take all three of them right now. Let's fucking go, dude. Spike, <laughs> give me those spike proteins. I'll put them in my eyeball. Jeez, I'm not... I mean, I'm, yeah. you know... I'm, you know if, I, Once I, we're done having kids. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's for sure. That's for sure. Now, now, would I put a COVID vaccine in my child's arm for $10 million? No. Fuck no. <laughs> I'll fucking, dude, I'll snort coke I'll in a goddamn, in a, in a bathroom with some stranger. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a fucking, yeah. <laughs> I'm not totally. a saint here, but let's be real, you know? At least I know there's going to be a return yeah, so, on investment for that risk. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, our vaccine journey was really interesting because I worked in LA. I taught a lot of moms. I had a lot of moms in my classes who did not vaccinate their kids. And I judged them. But I was also like, why? It's you know, pretty like, popular in LA for not, yeah. That doesn't thing. make any sense. Yeah, I was like, that doesn't make sense to me. But I'm curious because you people don't seem unintelligent, right? Mm-hmm. So that's just where my ears started to perk up. When I got pregnant, I told Michael, I'm feeling hesitant about vaccines, but I don't have the time to research. So I'm going to leave that up to you. Mm -hmm. And he really did thorough research because what we then later watched, you know, you can't find on Google. Yeah. Right. So he basically was like, all right, the adjuvants are the problem. So like aluminum and mercury, they really don't make a lot of vaccines with mercury anymore or thimerosal, Mm -hmm. but some do. And he was like, it sounds like the combination of vaccines plus antibiotics is a real problem like the gut brain is where the trauma happens and he's like all this reading i've been doing is telling me like avoid antibiotics at freaking all costs and i was like that's interesting and that that, i understand that yeah, yeah yeah and he's like i learned about single dose vaccines which aren't preserved they are like immediately put into a vial they don't come from a bottle Mm -hmm. you know where you like draw and he's like these are safer cleaner fewer ingredients so let's find a pediatrician who does single dose vaccines and he's like that sounds smart and fair okay yeah so we found a pediatrician who does single dose vaccines and we told her hey we're pretty much gonna go with the schedule except for chicken pox and rotavirus they they vaccinate you for chicken pox yeah, they have a chicken pox vaccine. Now. Why the That's fuck would the they do that? Get your chicken pox, man, when you're five, like everybody Isn't else. That's so weird. And getting your, oh, is it I got chicken pox. Yeah, everybody gets chicken pox. What do we do? What? You said yeah. chicken pox parties. You would go over, yeah. one kid had chicken pox. Like everybody gets, and then it's like, again, convenience. Like, yeah, if you have, well, you now know, it's racist, so they probably needed a vaccine to get chicken pox. <laughs> well, the name chicken pox is racist somewhere out there. Oh, okay, sure. okay. I was like, I was like, is that sickle cell anemia? Like, what are we talking about here? This is like... I'm making a bad joke. <laughs> it probably is. Yeah, it's, yeah. I can see that. So she was like, great. I'm really, you know, lenient with parents, but the fact that you guys want to do the schedule, she's like, music to my ears. We're like, yeah, we're happy that you have single dose vaccines. Stash got one shot very early on. 
he was sleeping much longer than normal for a nap. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm kind of freaked out. It's been over four hours. Like This is way long for a nap. He was a newborn. I mean, so it was one of his early, early shots after six weeks old. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm going to go wake him up because I don't feel good about this. And I picked him up and he was a fucking noodle. Like head back, arms back, leg, like completely limp. That's terrifying. I shook him so hard. And he woke up. But he's never like that. You pick up a newborn baby and they have the reflex, right? Where yeah, because they, like, they kind of like bundled to get like, yeah. Yes. They, their arms come in, their legs come to their chest. Mm-hmm. Or they stretch out. Yeah. And so they're like, they're just more rigid when you move them. I had a, I had a two-month-old do that on me. The other, a three-month-old do that to me. Yeah. I almost dropped it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like curled up and it was like, oh. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, they have... I mean, I had, my, I had my hand there. I didn't almost drop the baby, but it was like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it was, it was like, it was aggressive. So limp noodle. Yeah. I don't associate that with the vaccine at the time. Yeah. I come to learn that that is a vaccine injury, actually a brain injury. Oh God. I know. Fucking terrifying. Stosh is a genius. And I'm not saying that because I'm his mom. I think he's a smart kid. Yeah. He's extremely smart. So, you know, he's fine. But we went on schedule we did not do hepatitis B because I was like, that's fucking stupid. Yeah. Then COVID happened. We knew from early on that this was a scam. Yeah. We had like the first two weeks where we kind of stayed the course. And I was pregnant. So I was nervous about getting sick. I was like 13 weeks pregnant. Well, you don't know. It's like a happened. weird. And COVID was like, especially COVID early. Like if you got alpha <laughs> variant early COVID was no fucking joke. I've had COVID, no. I think. I'm sure. I think I had COVID and the flu at the same time. Which sucked a bag of dicks. I remember you guys were so sick. Dude, I was fucked up. Kelly was fine. Kelly got COVID and was like cool in three days. I was in the middle of the flu when I got COVID, I think, is what happened. Because she came back with COVID. So I like, it was like I was getting better and then I got way worse. And then it was, yeah, that, but. That sucks. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, dude, if I fucking die from this, like I'm going to have to eat so much crow, dude. I've talked so much shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. I was like, no, this is both both at the same time. It sucks. What are we calling that? They were calling like fluvid is what they were calling that. But yeah, it's. (laughs) Right. That was no joke. And it was kind of scary, but it took for you guys, it was two weeks. It's probably about a month and a half for us. Yeah. And what really just freaked me out was the lockdown. Yeah. Because I was like, this is not right. Yeah. So as soon as the lockdown got extended, I was like, this is a scam. Like, well, once it wasn't two weeks to flatten the curve and Alex Jones yes. was like, it's going to be two years. I was like, I think Alex Jones is right. <laughs> Which is an uncomfortable feeling when it's like, when you know he is, you're like, oh, fuck. Right? I feel like, in my gut, feel like he's probably right. And lo and behold. Yeah. So we had a lot of time to YouTube and out of nowhere one night, I was like, I want to watch everything about vaccines that the news has told us not to watch. Get a lot of time. Yeah. You can't go anywhere. I was like, all right. Were you in Texas at this point or were you? No, we were in LA. You're still in LA. Okay. That sucks. Yeah. Sucked. I have a few friends still there because I'm a racist, white supremacist, (laughs) grandma killer. That was in in New Braunfels, Texas. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with everybody else yeah with 17 ar-15s that you give to your small children yeah to go to school with it's fine mm-hmm. so we watch vaxxed first which is robert kennedy's movie mm-hmm. and immediately i was like jaw drop because i remember when this came out there was so much media propaganda against it saying like this is anti-science this is you know quackery and you know rfk is not a doctor he's a fucking idiot like vaccines don't cause autism vaccines don't cause death all these things and i remember the media propaganda because i remember how into vaxxed Lindsay was 
And I was like, no, Lindsay, you're not an anti-vaxxer. Come on. She's like, Embo, just you wait. 10 years. This was in 2012. Dude. I am not fucking kidding. It was in 2012 when she was like, just you wait. And I remember in 2021, early 2021, I was like, Linz, I am sorry for ever judging you as a crazy person and an anti-vaxxer in a bad way. Now we're proud anti-vaxxers. Yeah. I was like, I get it now. She's like, thanks for saying that. Honestly, don't even think I'm proud of it because I was looking at like regulatory cap. I didn't know what regulatory capture was, but I was talking about regulatory capture of the FDA in like speeches in college. You know what I mean? So I was like, I knew shit like that was going on. And I became very, CrossFit made me very skeptical of the conventional medical community because of the way the food pyramid worked out. And so it was like, it was this cascading effect where it's like, I'm not even proud of it. It's just like, of course I am. Like, it's like, I'm not proud to be six foot four. It's like, that's cool that I am that, but I really just like, it just kind of is like, I didn't, it just is, you know, it's like, not. Yeah, a, it's exactly. like, yeah, I'm like, I'm a minimal medical interventionist. I don't even say I'm an, mm-hmm. I like, I want minimal medical intervention. If I break my fucking femur, yes, I'm going to the hospital. Cause people say that's like, well, would you get surgery? And it's like, Maybe, yeah. but I also tore my meniscus and they were like, you need surgery. And I was like, nah, I don't think I do. And they got right. stem cell injections. And lo, lo and behold, look at me. I'm fine. $3,000 mm-hmm. later and my knee works fucking great. So it's like, yeah. I didn't have to get cut open for it to stitch my meniscus back together. But you know who benefits from that? <laughs> right? The, mm-hmm. Like the fucking yeah. meta. I mean, there's the, people are making money on me either way. Right. But not only yes. one goes through insurance. So I'm paying the market rate for something versus what somebody else says something is worth in this churn and burn of knee surgeries, which are also a fucking scam most of the time. 100%. Anyways, continue going. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, we watched Vaxxed and I was looked at him halfway through the movie. I was like, we're done. We're never vaccinating our kids again. And Michael's like, Emily, come on. Emily, come on. And I was like, no, we're fucking done. And then we watched this series that I sent to you guys called The Truth About Vaccines. Mm-hmm. And that's the one with the guy really in the silly shirt. Yeah. Yeah. The really boring one. Yeah. The host is a goofball and he has horrible taste in suits. <laughs> so it seems like a joke, but it's not. It's actually incredible information. We just watched one out of the seven. They're both, I mean, they're all two hours long. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, we're done. Then Michael read this book called Dissolving Illusions. And now this gets a little conspiracy theory. Oh, that's juicy. But. This book basically does a timeline of vaccine rollout versus when the disease was actually dissipating. Oh, yeah. I've seen those charts. Disease dissipating, yeah, versus, you know, when the vaccine came out. Well, they caught it on the downhill side, right? So it's like, oh, but it was, then it went to zero. And it's like, well, did it go to zero? It's like one of those chicken of the egg type of things, right? It's like, well, it was already kind of natural immunity was building. And then, you know, you reach a peak and then it, like it's like there's a re like the exactly. the fucking Spanish flu is in our flu, right? There's a reason. Yeah. Like whatever strain you get, like you're getting a piece of that straight Spanish flu. It's the same. I'm actually listening to this podcast with Andrew Huberman right now about marijuana. So I'm on sober October. Oh yeah, I want to listen. Yeah, to that it's one. fantastic, and he's talking about how people think that marijuana makes you more creative, right? Yeah. Which is bullshit, right? Yeah. And the reason it's bullshit is not that people that smoke weed are more creative. Because more creative people smoke weed because creative right. people are open to new experiences. That's why exactly. more creative people. And now I think mushrooms can make you more creative. Totally. But weed in certain instances and environments make you more creative, but it doesn't make you a more creative individual, right? Like right. weed made me more open to experiences because I had been lied to about weed for so long that when I smoked yes. it, I was like, oh my goodness. They, what, like what else did they lie to me about? Right. That was a right. big turning point for me. And now I'm like embracing the fact that I started smoking weed every day during COVID and that maybe wasn't a good thing. 
Sure. You know, and I've had brief times in college, whatever. I smoked weed every day for like a year, but this is probably my longest stint of daily use. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm experiencing the consequences of this. It's not consequence free, but to say that it's like just because something, two things have correlation isn't causation, right? Just because yes. vaccines get introduced and then it, while the disease is diminishing, that doesn't mean it was the cause of the diminishing. It may have sped it up. There may have been some positive benefit, maybe somewhere, but I don't know. I mean, I don't think that it's really like. Yeah, I think there's a lot Looking of questions at the history to be asked. Of these illnesses and their rollouts, and then the introduction of sanitation mm-hmm. and hygiene practices. Well, that fucking makes a lot of sense. A yeah. lot of stuff went away when sanitation came around. Yeah, when, when people started um, to realize. I mean, you got to think whenever these diseases were rampant, like people didn't understand that washing your hands was a good idea before doing surgery. They would go from one right, surgery yeah. to the next with blood on their hands from the previous surgery. Yeah. Right? And that is like absolutely disgusting to think about now. Yeah. So then in this book also, it talks about basically technological advances. Mm -hmm. So industrial revolution, internet, things like that. And like the most recent one being 5G. Oh, it goes into that whole thing. And it's like, this is what it gets into that, right? Okay, so... I'm not a big believer in that, but it's an interesting timeline because well, I think, they do coincide. Again, but in correlation and causation, I think, and I've gone down the rabbit hole on that shit, I think that those technological interventions always correlate with an increase in the number of people that are living in a concentrated area. So pop- sure. population density also goes along with that. So whenever you do have outbreaks of things... Like there's a lot, and also transportation was a big part of that too. So like yes. things move around faster. I can explain that away way too easy. I but, love using 5G as a joke excuse. So like yeah. I got sick coming back from LA two weekends yes. ago, and I just was on the phone with my sister, and I was like, "Yeah, 5G." Yeah, exactly. And, and it's, like, it's like flatter. It's I like can't tell if you're joking. Well, it was convincing, and Kelly falls for anything. So I have to be like the filter of like, "Hey, let me," because I will. I mean, we saw a UFO one time, and I was like, uh, "I'm gonna try." It's a helicopter. It's this, and I was like, "Okay, it's a fucking UFO. I don't know what the fuck that is. It's doing weird shit." Yeah. And then oh. I'm like, and then. I look and then I go home and I'm like go to Google Maps it's like Lockheed Martin and it was like everywhere like Colorado Springs Boulder Denver I was like oh it's fucking and then I was like Gorthrop no whatever the, like just all the military contractors and I'm like they're just everywhere and I'm like oh that's just that's probably just you something know, went down something fucking it's some, they're testing some cool shit that we don't know about yeah yeah so we weren't convinced by the 5G stuff but it was an interesting correlation yeah it's, it's um, like, what? you're just asking questions we're just asking questions doing your own we're research just asking questions then come to find out now this is really interesting when polio was really bad so in the like 50s, 60s? Mm-hmm. I think it was before that even. Maybe, and, and like, before. Like FDR had I, polio when he was a kid and it was yeah. like in the 20s. But they would spray suburbs with DDT. <laughs> you know this story? No, I didn't know that. That's fucking hilarious. Yes. And oh. I think it was just for mosquitoes. And yeah. they would have these cars drive through the suburbs and spray we used, DDT. We used to have those. At the baseball fields, they, they, they had to bring through the mosquito cars, sure. trucks, and to spray, yeah. like, mist the whole area while we were, while we were playing baseball. So like, it wasn't even, correlate. like, a different time. Why? Well, so now people are saying, like, was it polio or was it paralysis from DDT? <laughs> well, who's covering what up? Well, and then, you know, like, like, what kind of blood tests did they have at that time, too? It's like, were they, were, exactly. were, like, was it, because they were, they were probably diagnosing based on symptoms, not based on anything if else. If you Google polio... Like, if you get polio now, unvaccinated, like, what happens if I get polio? 70% of people are symptom-free. Yeah. You literally can Google that. And it says that at the top of the page. 70% of polio diagnosis is symptom-free. Weird. (laughs) The percentage of people who get paralysis from polio is, like, a teeny, teeny, tiny percentage. Wow. So you can get sick. Most people get sick. 
and then they get over it like a regular illness. So there's all this fear around these old timey illnesses that aren't actually that bad. Yeah. And you think about it too. It's like, you can also give them a little bit of grace for just like living in a different time. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? It's like, they didn't know. I mean, it's even totally. like, there's a point where like Dow Chemical, when it started making nonstick Teflon stuff, like there's this point when they didn't know that it was giving people cancer. And there's a point when they didn't know. Yes. And it's not the time before they knew, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That it was a problem. It was the time after they knew they kept doing it. And th- but that happens all the fucking time. And they, the time. and they can justify They can explain all those things like by something else. This is why me and Dan Crenshaw are about to have a fucking fist fight on Instagram. <laughs> That guy cucks so Does hard. Did he ever reply fu- to you? Oh, he, well, he replied to somebody else who had shared my shit, and they sent me screenshots. <laughs> I fucking pissed him off the other day. So the next show of before this comes out, but Politically Homeless, I'm going in on like all the shit. It's like, bitch, go watch Aaron Brockovich, okay? Like, I don't need to fucking do this for you. Seriously. Like, it's not that fucking hard. He's like, there's only two chemicals and plastics that really harm people, and I'm like... Oh, yeah, that was so silly. I was like, are you dumb, dude? Are you... like, Is there a lobbyist in your fucking mouth talking for you? Because right now you sound like an absolute fucking retard. Like, I don't understand. I was just going to say, can we say retard? I could say retard, yeah. I've made a whole thing about reclaiming the word retard because it doesn't have anything to do with people with cognitive disabilities. It's about people that are. Why is it everyone who is an anti vaxxer all of a sudden just like loved using the word retard again? It's my favorite thing. (laughs) Well, dude, it's like, it's like, listen, it's the only way to describe these fucking people. I know. It's like, dude, you're, it's like, is anybody going to be really that mad? If somebody called, if, like, say you have a child with Down syndrome or autism or anything else and an adult, human being of any gender, they, them, he, her, whatever, right? Called them a retard. I would slap them in their fucking face. (laughs) I would never tolerate someone calling someone with the cognitive disability a fucking retard. But Dan Crenshaw, pretending not to know that there's things that are, he's like, he's so terrified of 12-year-old boys cutting their dicks off to become girls, right? Which I think is also a bad thing. But how about the phthalates that are killing masculinity, crushing testosterone levels, crushing sperm counts slowly over time? You're cool with that What? because ExxonMobil donates to your campaign, you fucking cuck retard? What do you want me to do? (laughs) What do you want me to do? Am I supposed to – I'm not supposed to call you names? And my buddy was like, I don't really endorse calling him names. But I was like, I'll call him fucking names. I'll call him a cuck retard to his face. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I'll say it to his empty eye hole. I don't care, dude. It's so funny. I hate him so much. He's such a fucking liar. He's like, he's worse than really like him. I did two for five seconds. That makes, it makes yeah. me hate him more because I had faith in him. It's like, you know, so that, you I. know, on America's Next Top Model, whenever Tyra's like yelling at there, like, we were all rooting for you yes. and you let us down. Like, that's how I feel about Dan dude, Crenshaw. I completely agree. Like, I want to make, I think, yeah. you know what? I think we need to make a, we need to make a meme. <laughs> I'm so down. Anyways, but yeah, a lot of these so vaccines anyway, and illnesses can be explained in a variety of different ways. And it doesn't make you a villain or a criminal to ask these kind of questions because it's the well being of your child's. Yeah. So it's like, what's the risk of getting these old timey illnesses? What's the risk of me dying from these old timey illnesses? Risk of getting it like zero. And that's not because of the vaccine necessarily. Yeah. Okay. Risk of dying like zero. So why the fuck am I getting a rubella vaccine? (laughs) What? How many? What's the number? If you just go like the traditional conventional method through the hospital, how many vaccines are you putting into a child? Oh my God. It's so much right now. I want to say it's in the sixties or seventies. It's crazy. Like what, what, why, what? It's crazy. I don't understand it. And it's like, dude, I think kids to like bite their fingernails and play in the dirt and like scratch their knees. I don't know. I'm just that kind of person. But then again, it's like, we'll see. Cause you know what science is? I'll be the fucking control group. until all my kids. Okay. It is what yeah. it is. We'll figure it out. Well, and, and here's, here's we'll the do. other thing. We are unwilling as a society to look at natural 
holistic health and <sighs> natural methods. You mean pseudoscience, Emily? Are you talking about pseudoscience? <laughs> yeah. Do you not trust you the know breast science? milk literally is a cure for everything? So <laughs> fucking breastfeed. Yeah. Hello. Okay. That is kind of true. Much like the vaginal microbiome sets up a baby's gut for immunity, so does breast milk. Breast milk and the baby mother dyad, the conversation between the mother and baby that happens without words is very real. So the breast actually takes in information from the baby's saliva. Okay. That sounds like pseudoscience. That is not. Dude, you know how many weird plants I've eaten? Right? Yeah. <laughs> So and, if and gone like sick, yeah, that, that plant has an intelligence. If the idea that breast milk has some kind of like communication technique with the mom in that whole situation, or that there's not an energetic field around a mother who's breastfeeding a baby, the idea that you wouldn't believe that is kind of odd to me. Right. I completely agree. So if your baby is sick, the mother's body is going to respond to that via breast milk. Either it's going to you know, give them more calories if they need it, whatever. I'm not a scientist here. I don't know exactly what's going on. All I know is that there is a very real conversation. Now, if a mom is sick, she's going to create antibodies and those antibodies are going to go through her breast milk into the baby. Like the spike protein from the COVID vaccine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's actually good for you. Remember that they try to hide that article. They're like, that's actually good for your baby. I was like, when I saw that, I was like, it made me like visceral. I was like physically angry. Like I turned red. I think I was like, this is so fucked. It's... But naturally, Insane. yes. Naturally, so, yes. Yes. This so motherfucker, like, okay. this shit is, this is a whole different conversation. <laughs> if you are eating well, not eating flaming Hot Cheetos every day, you know, Cardi type B. of diet. If you are eating animal food, if you are exposing yourself to the elements, if you are getting sunshine. I mean, I feel like this is stuff that you and I just hear ad nauseum yeah. these days. But this is like new information to people. Your baby doesn't need vaccines. Yikes, heard it here first. (laughs) Now, I understand being really nervous about things like meningitis and the flu even, honestly. Trust in your baby's innate healing wisdom because it it exists. Am I going to give my child a vaccine that might injure them? They have a much higher risk of getting injured. Or am I going to wait and see if they get one of these old-timey illnesses and go to the hospital if they do? Mm-hmm. I'm going to bet on emergency care. Yeah. You know, like if my kid becomes seriously ill, you know, someone might get really angry and be like, you should have fucking vaccinated. Well, I didn't. So here yeah. we are. Yeah. I'd like to see somebody get in my face. <laughs> yeah. Like Siobhan got COVID. <laughs> we did not test her. I got COVID. Michael got COVID. Siobhan was sick. I'm like, she has COVID. Yeah. Okay. Stosh did not get it. We sent him to school every day because I'm like, I'm not having hyper-ass Stosh around when we're both sick. Yeah. You're going to school. We didn't even tell them. We didn't wear masks. We dropped him off. Everyone was fine. (laughs) Siobhan. If people knew that at a certain time in the world, you would have been a fucking, it would have been, it would have been a, dude, Taylor Lorenz would have written about that in whatever rag she was writing for. Yeah. Insane. So Siobhan was way less sick. (laughs) Yeah. Siobhan was way less sick than me and Michael were. Yeah, of course. And she was completely fine. All the kids should have been getting COVID. That's the thing. Yeah. But I'm like, huh, what if all the other diseases are like this? Because we have hygiene. I know to put my baby out in the sunshine, give her a hot bath, you know, not give her Tylenol. 
let the fever run, you know, just make her comfortable and obviously, you know, support her with holistic remedies if necessary. You know, if she's congested or coughing, mm-hmm. but I just nursed her because I had COVID and I was like, you're going to get my antibodies. Yeah. Dude, she crushed it. Of course she did. Kids so, are so fucking resilient. It's crazy. And that's the thing too, when you talk yeah. about like getting sunshine and stuff, it's so funny now where it's like, it's a good idea to like watch the sun come up or your circadian <laughs> rhythm and your and like, and then you can think about it. And I think about the times that I duck hunt out. So I'll leave the house at like, this is not, this is not healthy, but I leave the house at like two o'clock in the morning sometimes to get out there. <laughs> drag i'll get there 3 30 sometimes i'll take a nap in the truck sometimes you gotta like claim your spot by parking there and you can't get on until five whatever but then you get out and it's like you're fucking sometimes it's negative six negative seven Ooh. my beard's frozen and you're sitting there and you're cold and you got a little heater and you but that doesn't keep your whole body warm it's just like keeps your hands warm and you're also in the water part of the time too so it's like there's this situation and when that sun when you see first light your body does something yeah. And then when that's the, like me and rowing, I used to wake yes, up before the sunrise exactly. and get on the water. And then and something about the water does it too. Or then yeah. the sun cracks over because the shooting light is 30 minutes before that sunrise. So say the sun rises at 613 or 610, whatever. It's like 30 minutes before that you can start shooting. It's so energizing, right? So you get like the big dopamine kick from just like bird, you're starting to hear birds fly, you know, and it's all, you're yeah. like, oh, it's going to be a good day. You know, you start hearing them splash in the water. You're like, fuck yeah, dude. Like, and the dogs, my dogs all fucking wound up. And then the sun cracks the fucking horizon and it may go from negative nine to negative two, but it feels like it's 40, 50 degrees. Yes. And your body's just like, it's like you get like chills out in your whole body. It's like, it's just one of the best feelings in the fucking world. And you're like, mm-hmm. your body knows that little floating thing in the sky is magic. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> it's magic and it's like and even when we have like the coolers whenever we like they take stuff out and go camping or whatever and kelly's like do you want to clean that out i'm like i just open it up and let the sun shine in it for four or five days and then it's clean mm-hmm. i don't worry about it's like it bakes it like the sun does it the sun takes care yeah. of it all my hunting stuff that like i just lay it out in the yard and let the sun just roast it and i'm like yeah it's yep. fine and then i'll put it and then i may like wash it just because it's like stretched out but I'm like the sun just does amazing things. Like if I'm sick, I want yeah. to get out in the sun and just like, it sucks and I hate it. I feel like I'm like burning to a crisp, but I know that's the right thing to do. And yeah. it, it's weird how much that's happened. It's like we've sunscreened ourselves to death. This idea that like you need to unhuman yourself to like be a better mm-hmm. person is the most dumb, mm-hmm. moronic, like short-sighted thing I've ever seen. I honestly will say this. I think most sunscreens will give you cancer before the sun will. I have zero fear of skin cancer and I'm in the sun all the fucking time. I would say the same thing about vaccines and illnesses. Yeah. And that's the thing what RFK Jr. says about this, about vaccines. He's like, listen, in autism, and I'm going to say this, and like, I think it's very possible that the combination of antibiotics and maybe like predetermined. And it's like Tylenol and vaccines or antibiotics. Yeah, or some vaccines. combination. It's a combination but it's like, of toxicity. Or and flame retardants. He was like, he's like, I don't know if it's vaccines or not. Right. That's what he said on right. Theo Von Spike. He's like, he's like, but I do know that whenever I was growing up, like one in three like 3000 or whatever, like just such a small number of kids were autistic. And now it's super, super common. And that wasn't a thing. And motherfucking Anthony Fauci at the NIAID and these motherfuckers at the FDA have not even like really even given it a hard look. They're like, it's just not vaccines. And it's like, it's absurd. Their reasoning is they won't do a study between unvaccinated and vaccinated children because it is unethical to unvaccinate kids. That's the reasoning. Or not vaccinated. That is their reasoning. That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. It's we unethical. We just read like, this the other day. This dude, Anthony Fauci, like set puppies on fire, didn't he, for a long ass time? Like we're, we're talking about ethics here. It's also unethical yeah. to do gain of function research in China. You dumb fucks. <laughs> what are we talking about? You started a pandemic. You're gonna talk about ethics. You get to talk about ethics. Yeah. You're talking about practice. What is this, dude? Like, right. are you serious? 
So oh my, my whole God. mindset has shifted around vaccine. vaccines. I'm going to fucking, that makes me so mad, dude. It's insane. And <laughs> oh, I have really come to God, a place dude. where I could be afraid of meningitis and mumps and rubella and all these things, but I know they're not just floating around in the air. So there's that, but I don't want to live in fear. So, okay. Me not living in fear isn't me vaccinating my kids. It's me trusting that I know what to do to support my and my children's immune system. We go to the chiropractor, nervous system-based chiropractic care, holler, Willow House, and <laughs> New Braunfels. So I know that if my nervous system is down-regulated, working optimally, my immune system is going to function properly. That's pretty fucking basic. Yeah. But I don't know why people can't understand that. <laughs> I'm more concerned about social media harming my kids than I am rubella or fucking polio. Literally. You know what I mean? There's a lot of other things that to be concerned about. It's just like one of those things where it's like the people that are like vaccinated, they show their kids, give them an iPad when they're two and like AirPods. Yes. It's like, dude, get the fuck out of yes. my face. Like when my kids, so, like, like, it's even things I've thought about like hunting and shit like that and like getting kids around this. I was talking to my buddy Jesse. Who I, was, I was like, I would love to even have their oldest is, I think he's two now. He's about two. And I was like, dude, it'd be so cool if we ever got a chance. Like at that age, I feel like kids should be getting around like hunted dead animals and like through that, pro like where it's like not even a thing. By the time they're five, six, seven, they've seen it 10, 15, 20 times. It's just not a thing where it's like, hey, like you're associated with like life eating life. That's a thing that happens. Like there's a thing that with that with me. And it's like, you know what? My kids are going to fucking raw dog life. That's what's going to happen. They're going to raw dog oh, life. Yeah. I'm so what I'm doing. I, I regret that I didn't get a, a better chance to do that, but I kind of did. I, the vaccines, the food, the plastics, I had to deal with all the stuff that most millennials yeah. had to deal with. But I also got to like shoot BB guns and play in the yard and ride bikes around and like get in trouble and do dumb shit, you know? And it like made yeah, me a better. Yeah, I had all of that stuff without the hunting. Yeah. I was atrocious at hunting when I kid. I only killed a couple of things, <laughs> but I got better. So to complete that thought around the vaccines and like the living in fear. And raw dogging life. I like that. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Um, with uncircumcised raw dogging too. Hell yeah. What's up? My dad recently like freaked out on me that Siobhan is not vaccinated for polio. And I don't even know if Stash got a polio vaccine. I don't know if that was like one of the ones he got before mm -hmm. we stopped doing them. Whatever. And he was like, I'm just worried you're making medical decisions based on politics. And I'm like, Ugh. so I am, but you're not. <laughs> 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 no offense, but... <laughs> And then I was like, dad, why are you talking to me about vaccines? Like, you know, we disagree. Like, why would you bring it up? Like, whatever. We kind of got into a fight about it, but it was fine because I like fighting. Yeah. Um, we, yeah, we, we, yeah. You and I have gotten into and, a fight before, I feel like, over something. Yeah, it totally. It was probably politics. And I was just like, you know what? <laughs> I'm not worried about polio. So there's that. Yeah. I'm not worried about it. If I get it, we're going to be fine. If I die... I'm meant to die from polio. And that's my mentality about everything. And I've told Michael, like when COVID was going on, I was like, listen, if I die, I was supposed to die from COVID. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, same. And yeah. like some people have such a disconnect from that kind of thinking. So I've just gone so far off the deep end of like living life out of fear. Mm -hmm. When it comes to things like that, I told Michael, I was like, so we're going to have free birth for our next baby. Oh, you're free birth. Like, oh, huh? God. Emily. I was like, I want to feel that real freedom living out of fear. I am afraid of having a free birth, mm -hmm. but I'm also not at the same time because I've had two home births. Yeah. Well, if you know how to check on things beforehand to make sure everything like yeah. seems like it's going well, like it seems like yeah, the baby's in the right position. Birth, yeah. I'll have one ultrasound, make sure the placenta's in the right place and everything's looking good. 
Yeah. But I was like, I don't want a midwife. I want to just do it. Just us. Well, and if you know it's just going wrong, go to the fucking hospital. You have exactly. To. Like, you know, you exactly. know, like I, Kelly I doesn't know. fucking know. I would never, I would never. Right. Ever. And we have a mutual friend first- whose partner free birthed her first baby, right? Barb? Hell yeah. Dude, that was fucking insane. I mean, but that's also yeah. like so on brand for him. He's a wild man. <laughs> right? I know. When you told me that, I was like, that's crazy. And also, I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> at all. She's super young too. Oh, really? That yeah, she's sense. like 24. Fucking Robin um, DeCrable, Farb. I know. So the vaccine conversation is just reality. Do I fucking need these shots? No. Are these shots going to injure me? Much more likely than you getting mumps. Or dying from mumps. Yeah. Why would I subject my son, my children, to a potential life-threatening injury when they wouldn't even fucking die if they got the mumps? Yeah. People don't understand. It's it's, it's simple math. It really is. Like it's the the, the thing. If you did the math for COVID, right? If you did the math for COVID, and you're like, okay, X many people. I was 33 when it started going on. I did this math on the show. I was like, so many people have died in my age bracket. Okay, 80 percent of those people had significant comorbidities. Or we're over obese, which is a comorbidity, right? So cut whatever that number is down by 20%. So this many people right. have died that allegedly are in my category of human being, which was like yeah. 160 in the country. <laughs> I was like, so I'm not super fucking concerned. And if I am in that, I'm like, I, I do 35 things a week that are more dangerous than that. It's like, well, but then you could I kill know. one of those fatties. And I'm like, well, I mean, I... I, you I know, a fatty can fucking choke on a McDonald's hamburger. I don't know. I have yeah. done my, it's, it's honestly not my fucking problem because it looks like I could also have significant consequences from taking this goddamn vaccine and I don't really trust them. So it's like, if I got to kill a few fatties and grandmas to get there, like, well, it is what it is. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just glad Lizzo made yeah, it through. So <laughs> we're not about that life anymore. No. And Michael was just one day, I think Stosh was like two. He's like, I'm so fucking sorry we vaccinated you, man. Yeah, everybody's done that to their, like, Jesse. And it's okay ago. because we learned a lot and he's fine. And, he's good. Uh, he seems like a baller. He's got a way better situation than we had. That's for goddamn sure. Yeah, exactly. And that's the whole goal of yeah, parenting. That's all it is. Well, I think we've really pissed off or enlightened numerous people <laughs> yeah. around for I can't believe it's been hours. two hours no. <laughs> we'll do it again whenever i come we're gonna come down to texas soon so maybe we'll get you on on a oh, show with yeah. me and kelly both we'll talk about it we'll have a have the baby by then too so oh my god that'd be so fun i know we have your mom my mom's gonna be like our full-time babysitter i cannot wait i'm so excited for oh, her to be there like i'm, I'm gonna live with you guys she's gonna stay for a couple of weeks and she's gonna start traveling she's actually changing she's taking like a she's electing to move down in her job she okay, can get paid cool. more. That's so nice. So, so she can have more time. She'll get a, a little bit of a pay decrease. But, but she's like, I don't fucking care. She's like, I just want to see this. Baby. Yeah. It's her first grandbaby. She's All of her friends have grandkids. That's so amazing. This is her first one. It's my, my granddad's first great-grandbaby. Awesome. Funny story is, though, my 19-year-old cousin knocked up his 18-year-old girlfriend like a few months after we got pregnant. So I was like, <laughs> my mom calls like, you barely made it. And I was like, oh, because my other cousin, Maya, was like, I was like, she's like, she's in her mid-20s. I was like, oh, is she pregnant? And, and uh, she was like, no. And I was like, oh, no. Because everybody else was like 18, <laughs> 17. I was like, fuck. And they told me and I was like, I mean, they probably just should not told anybody and just gotten it taken. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it is what it is. So, you know, we're first, though, which really matters. So That's not awesome. first or last. And everybody's going to like our kid more because it was on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, I was an accident. So, hey, you know, I'm just an accident making things I on purpose. I wanted accident. Uh, huh. For an, uh, 
becoming a wanted accident. Yeah, I was talking to my mom. I was like, it was the best mistake she ever made. <laughs> but she was 19 when she got pregnant with me. She turned 20, 17 days so before I was born. she's only in her 50s? She's literally 20 years older than me. She's 55. I'm 35. So she's almost Michael's age. Are you serious? <laughs> Michael's almost her age. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking He's awesome. He's 49. He's not 50 so, yet. So yeah, yeah, that's not bad. You're good. I was going to say, oh, so you're in New Braunfels, south yes. of Boston. Yes. Near my uh, alma mater at uh, Texas State University. Eat oh, cats. nice. One of the most, San Marcos is a beautiful town. Love that yeah, place. Yeah, we don't spend enough time it. there. Oh, dude, go get, the, go get in the river and hang out. That being said, do you still do in-home, do the work locally? Yes. How far do you go? San Antonio, Austin? Do you do I all? go to San Antonio and Austin, Good. Dripping Springs, everywhere up the 35. Up I-35. The 35. The 35, <laughs> yeah. Down and up. <laughs> <laughs> Try to stay local, but it's everyone just drives here. Yeah, dude, that's 40 minutes away is no big deal and i'm like i would never but now i'm like oh i guess that's what people do well you lived in la so going three miles took you 40 minutes yeah at least in 40 minutes in texas you can go like 30 miles really far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah all in the hill country austin to san antonio well i love that ideally taking one birth a month i already have two locked in for february though i'm stoked damn so they're coming along well if you want a thought criminal doula you know where to find her everybody yeah. out there in the world and I teach birth education online. So that is happening right now in October. And my next class will be in January. So anyone can take that. That's great. It's on Zoom. Moms and dads? And I, yes. Oh, great. And then I also teach women how to become doulas. Ooh, there and we I go. do that twice a year. So my next one is happening in January. And this is some underground unlicensed shit because I don't do certifications. <laughs> <laughs> It's I'm like, you want to the- be a doula? I'm just going to wave my wand around you, and now you're a doula. <laughs> it's official. <laughs> but I'm going to teach you something. You're so anti-establishment. It's fucking rad. Yes. Let's yeah. do it. Well, I can't wait for us to find a commune somewhere, and I'll go off grid in Montana <sighs> or some shit. <laughs> be so awesome. It would be cool. All right, dude. I love you so much. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for having me. Of course. This is awesome. Anytime. 